Film. It's a podcast where, thankfully, we're not doing another Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> we pick a flick and decide if it's a movie or a film. Correct. I'm Nate, and would that it were so simple? And I'm Nate, and I seen it. You said you're Nate. I said I'm Nate. I'm Terrell. Oops. <laughs> I'm Terrell, and I seen it. All right. Oh, I don't know what that is. What? That quote. Oh, that's a pineapple... Express. Okay. And what? Would that a tour so simple? Would that a tour so simple? What is that? It's uh, from Hail Caesar. Okay. Spoken by Ralph Fiennes' character, Lawrence Lorenz. Lawrence Lorenz, a a Coen brother movie. A Coen brother movie, because today we're talking about a serious man. Yes, we are. But first, let's talk about some stuff we've watched recently. Yeah, let's do that. I just quoted Ralph Fiennes' character from Hail Caesar, Mm -hmm. because... Well, because we're doing Coen Brothers, and also, a movie I just watched, because it is the uh, second day of Passover as we record this, mm-hmm. I revisited The Prince of Egypt. Yeah. And Ralph Fiennes is a great Ramses. I mean, he's, like, too white, mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone in that movie, except for Danny Glover and um, Uncle Phil, are too white, mm-hmm. but I still really like Ralph Fiennes' performance in that. Yeah. And Prince of Egypt... A very underrated uh, animated movie. Yeah. And, like, appropriately... Not appropriately so, but, like, just appropriate. Just an appropriate movie. Just appropriate depiction. Yeah. uh, So, it's pretty... I don't know. I found it staggering. Just the the visuals and the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And the music is... The music is great. incredible. I love it. I love the music. Uh, DreamWorks should have done more uh, musicals, because... In my, to my opinion, really give Disney a run for their money. Yeah. How, what have you been watching? Um, I've been a little bit all over the place. Me too. Uh, <laughs> a little bit all over the place. Um, I want to say I watched the platform. Mm, that's the the Netflix. Is it Brazilian? It's Spanish. Okay. I think it's from Spain. Okay. Um, and it's just like this su- survival thriller horror movie that mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, let me check this out. It looks interesting. I thought it was going to be French, but it wasn't. And <laughs> it's just like, you know, uh, it's about like hierarchy and class pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it's like the people at the very first floor get like the best food. And then from then from then on, you just get the leftovers and it just keeps going down and down and down yeah. until it's just like glass left. And then after... How, how were the characters? How was the... But it was the characters. Like, like were, I got the idea of it from the trailer. Like, yeah, I guess you like. It really depends on <laughs> the characters, the, uh, but like yeah. the characters are like really good. You root for them, and oh, they like they surprise you because it's not like it's not like you know people do bad things, but it's just like they're doing it to survive, and so you kind of understand why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like a prison sentence. Right, so you you do mm-hmm. this, and then after you get out, you get like a diploma or something like that. So oh. you, like you kind of voluntarily go in there. You can voluntarily go in there as mm. well. So 
there's that aspect of just like regular good people going in there and then being like annihilated right. by the system. So it was good and uh, pretty hopeful. Really? Yeah, pretty hopeful. I didn't get that from the trailer. Right. Like a pretty harrowing allegory for yeah, uh, you gotta, social class. You know, get the message. The yeah. Um, well, it's funny that you said you thought it was French because I ended up watching two French movies this week. Yeah. Wasn't planning on it. It was all in one day. I started out my day on the 4th watching Portrait of a Lady on Fire because it is now available on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And uh, Film Twitter has been a buzz about this movie since it uh, won the the screenplay award at Cannes, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good. Really and good. we'll definitely be watching it again okay. in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. And then after I watched it, I was just like pretty blown away and was like, who is this Celine Siama who wrote and directed this? Because mm-hmm. I don't know her. So then I looked at what else she did and she uh, wrote and directed a movie in 2014 that I had heard about at the time because it's called Girlhood, and that was the year after Boyhood came back. Right. So it was a pretty, like, controversial naming, like, fuck you, Boyhood. <laughs> but uh, it obviously wasn't anything like Boyhood focused on a girl, a, mm-hmm. uh, a black girl in the uh, Paris uh, suburbs, mm-hmm. which the suburbs are more like the... Uh, outskirts it wasn't really like a, a serious man type of suburbs right um and she she like gets into a gang of girls mm-hmm. the which the french title is un bon de fil which just means a gang of girls which mm-hmm. i think is a better title but i like the uh the trolling with the girlhood yeah um that sounds familiar and it was much different than portrait of a lady on fire because portrait of a lady on fire was like a period uh a period piece, mm-hmm. all very quiet, all about art and uh, queer romance, and uh, the relationship between artist and muse and girlhood was uh, very contemporary, um, and I don't know, it had this great sequence with Rihanna's uh, Diamonds song. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Which uh, would have been super out of place in Portrait and a Lady on Fire, but I might go back and watch even more of Celine Siama's, uh stuff. Mm-hmm. So, might talk about it more on this podcast as long as exciting trailers stop, <laughs> continue to not come out. Right. I've also watched this uh, the Netflix movie Ed Ed uh, Ed Helms and Taraji P Henson's Coffee and Cream. You Cream. liked it. I liked it. I was very surprised. I liked it. I was surprised too, uh, because I feel like it could have been a very cringy filled movie. I gotta be right? honest, because we didn't even talk about the trailer. I think. No. I didn't even get through the trailer. You I found get... it so cringy. Oh man, <laughs> it's actually not as cringy as you think it would. Okay, like the the kid is like not like he's he's doing a thing. Like he's not bad in the movie. He's just like a badass kid, right? right. And so you'd be like, why the fuck is this kid so bad? But like Ed is hilarious. He's actually oh, yeah? like he actually pulls it off. Okay. and Taraji is is pretty funny too she's not in it a lot but mm-hmm. when she is in it she's hilarious and the that the woman the woman um she's from uh glow betty gilpin betty is great she's yeah, phenomenal she's, in it she's, she, she's she's the she's the villain oh that's oh, cool oh she's great she's great they, they really just let her go crazy in that movie mm. yeah um 
I, so, yeah, I, I don't it. think I'm going to watch it, but I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I did. I did. And uh, I guess lastly, I watched The Wicker Man. Mm. And uh, I really enjoyed that one as well. The uh, the original. The original Not Wicker the Man. Cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was very, um, very trippy, very musical. I like the, like the musical aspect to it. Oh. And very like, re- like religion ha- heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, like Wiccan. Yeah. Right? Wic- yeah. Wicker, is that where Wicker comes from? Is like Wic- the Wiccans? I'm not sure. I don't I'm, know. I'm, maybe I wasn't paying attention enough because I feel like... Or is Wicker the... They didn't really name like their the, religion. Like the Wicker but chair. But the Wicker... The, yeah, the Wicker chair. Like yeah. the Wicker man. It was because it was made out of wood. Right, um, right. Okay. So they were like... They were pagans, but... And the cop was like Christian. Super Christian. Mm-hmm. So it was just like that conflict the whole time. It was like a battle of religions. And I mean, he really got outnumbered in the end. So. Yeah. Well, I yeah. got two more. I revisited Sorry to Bother You also on Hulu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Great one. Yeah. If you haven't seen these movies that we've said are available for streaming, check them out because yeah, we got time to watch things. Yeah. Um, Sorry to Bother You. I enjoy more and more every time I watch it. Uh, the first time I saw it in the theater was just a complete surprise. I had no idea where it was going to be going. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I know the full picture, every time I revisit it, it's just exciting because I know where it's going. Mm-hmm. And you get to trace that. And um, there's just so many good bits in it. And like even little things that you forget. Mm-hmm. Um, very strong debut film from Boots Riley. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. Yeah, for the next one. I hope he does more. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, uh, last night we watched, uh, Scooby-Doo Zombie Island. Yes, we did. We, I think on the... Hey, Bruce, uh, we watched it. We got him, I got him to watch yeah, it. Yeah, on the Are You he Fucking With Me it. podcast. Yeah. Uh, he said he hates Scooby-Doo, but he loves Scooby-Doo Zombie Island. Yeah. I can see why, because his whole thing with hating Scooby-Doo was, like, the driving force of Zombie Island, that they're always just... Guys in masks, it's yeah. never real. And mm-hmm. Zombie Island is, oh, what if it's real? What if it's real? I don't know if I liked that aspect of it. Because I like that it's always just like shady businessmen. Yeah. You said you like the like the 70s feel to it, like yeah, the grooviness of it. this wasn't groovy. No, it was, it was, uh, very, it was less groovy. very 90s. Uh, yeah, very like, yeah. What, cat what, people. And, rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still enjoy it. I didn't I dislike it. It's just it. not my favorite type of scooby-doo yeah it, but you're it, a, you're a fan of scooby-doo though yeah, so you yeah. just like scooby-doo it's that better is to me than i think i don't think i'll like the new scoob all right the cgi one where mm-hmm. it's apparently their their whole hanna-barbera universe they're trying to make mm-hmm. um so i, I liked it mm-hmm. i just thought there was this i don't know you guys made it seem like there's like the best scooby-doo thing that no. i just haven't seen right I don't know. I don't know. Maybe at the time, it was just a really refreshing that finally it wasn't a guy in a mask. Yeah, it's real evil. Yeah, yeah. That it was really evil. There's and, there's uh, something to yeah. it about the, it how they were. all the beats. There's something about how they were on the island, like off of uh, New Orleans in mm-hmm. Louisiana on the bayou, and there was like Confederate, uh, it's like Confederate pieces. It's like pieces. The house built from a pirate ship mm-hmm. and. Uh, there's like uh, the tunnels for the Confederate soldiers to hide from Union men. Yeah, I kind of like how that's like, like laid into it's a, like yeah, it's, it's like referencing yeah. real world evil. Yeah, um, that does exist. Mm-hmm. 
I, I didn't get that interpretation on my own, though. That was just looking through letterbox of people reading okay. very deeply into Zombie Island. Like, yeah. yeah, what happens when you confront real evil? Which What happens when the zombies are the good guys? Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the ghost saying, get out, beware, is because they're saying, get out, because these people yeah. are uh, cat people. Yeah, they're going to, like, <laughs> suck your soul out. Spoiler. Oops. For those of you who also haven't seen the 1998 Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. <laughs> Um. Oh, and I watched Lady Macbeth. I watched a lot of movies. This you did week. watch a lot of movies. Lady Macbeth, also on Hulu, starring uh, Florence Pugh. That's why I watched it because um, I have not seen a movie that she stars in that I have not been completely captivated by her mm-hmm. performance in. And uh, she has proven that she can do many different kinds of stories. Um, this one. I thought it would be more like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm-hmm. but it leaned towards Midsommar uh, territory. Yeah. And this is in pre- some ways. mid, right? Yeah, this, this was before. 2016. Um, and the you didn't see this movie. No. The girl that plays uh, Lando's possible daughter, possible lover in Star Wars, what? The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> isn't it? And I liked her, too. Yeah, it was problematic in the movie. Lando's, okay. like, coming... It's, like, the very end of the movie, spoiler alert. Lando, like, sits next to her. She's, like, the only black woman there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I heard you're an orphan. How about, what'd you say we look around the galaxy try to figure out where you came from? And it's uh, like, Lando, you old man, are you hitting on her? And or then, you... And then it was revealed, like, online, how they revealed all this stuff that didn't make sense in the mm-hmm. movie. They are like, yeah, she's probably his daughter. Probably okay. <laughs> they just let um, him like do that line reading so smooth and cool. You were just left questioning it. Like, was he trying to be helpful or was he hidden on her? Like, <laughs> yeah, you never know with Lando. Nah. <laughs> and um, we watched a serious man. Yeah, we watched a serious man. We watched a serious That's right. man. We, we were saying we were going to be doing a lot of like stoner movies. Yeah, but we didn't really watch any. Stoner movies extracurricularly. Yeah, not this. For, not this sorry one. to bother you, you could have been on our list. Yeah. Except there's also like magic cocaine. Yeah, magic cocaine. But there's there's some good uh, some good marijuana induced scenes. Mm. But yeah, this week we're talking about a serious man. Mm-hmm. So let's play that trailer. Please, I need help. I've had marital problems. Honey, I think it's time that we start talking about a divorce. Larry, we're gonna be fine. (laughs) Professional, you name it. Larry, we've received a number of letters denigrating you and uh, urging us not to grant you tenure. I need help. We're gonna be fine. I've tried to be a serious man. (laughs) We're gonna be fine. Tried to do right, be a member of the community. (laughs) We're gonna be fine. Just tell him I need help. Please? We're gonna be fine. I need help. We're gonna be fine. The rabbi is busy. He didn't look busy. He's thinking. Don't you want somebody to love? Don't you need somebody to love? Oh, 
A Serious Man is a 2009 black comedy drama written, produced, edited, and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Set in 1967, the film stars, stars Michael Stuhlbarg as a Minnesota Jewish man whose life crumbles both professionally and personally, leading him to questions about his faith. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, Serious Man. Right off the bat, I just need to ma uh, make a disclaimer or uh, explain myself for all the people who saw that we were doing a serious man this week after mm -hmm. announcing last week we were going to be doing a bunch of stoner movies. I know Big Lebowski would have been the obvious pick <laughs> for a Coen Brothers stoner movie, but I like a serious man better, and I knew if we did the Big Lebowski, it would be a long time until we got around to being able to do this one. Mm -hmm. So um, I picked it because I'd rather talk about this. And also, mm -hmm. as we'll get to, it has one of my favorite cinematic uh, weed smoking scenes in it. Yeah, like, has, I think of in any movie. It's um, two really good ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's two really good ones. Uh, so maybe we'll do The Big Lebowski in the future. I don't know. No. That's not even my... I don't even know if that's in my top five Coen brothers, though, to be honest. The Big Lebowski? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Serious Man is what we're talking about yes, today. Yes, it is. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you picked this movie or else I don't know when I would have watched it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I honestly, I don't even know if I heard of this movie. To be honest with you, it's well, it's the, one of their most underseen, most underrated. Yeah, um, and uh, I had no idea what I was in store for. Mm -hmm. um, but with a title like "A Serious Man," you yeah. think it's gonna be maybe like really boring or something? <laughs> or I expected like a like drama and like some some weed to be in the movie, right? Um, but no, it's um, it's it's far left. Yeah. It's far left of what I thought it was going to be. Um, visually, um, sonically, like, especially like the music in it. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, what's, what is, what's happening? Like, it's like thrilling at some points and it's worrisome at some points and it's exciting at some points musically, yeah, a, which is like, I don't know, very weird. Yeah. And they've, like, uh, sets a weird tone for the movie. They, they worked with their longtime collaborators on the visuals. They had a, Roger Deakins, now two-time Oscar winner. Mm -hmm. uh, not for any of their movies. <laughs> for, he's he's done so many of their movies, but uh, he only wins Oscars for, uh, what, Blade Runner 2049 mm -hmm. and 1917. So oh. I guess they, they need a year in their title if they want to win right. Deakins and Oscar. And uh, for music, Carter Bur Burwell, who's done the music and all of their stuff. Uh, most... Celebrated, I guess, for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And Inside Lou and Davis, just because those are the musicals. musicals. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, then this one, A Serious Man, made in 2009, only after they won, the Coen brothers won their Oscar for No Country for Old Men. And this is really the type of thing you only make after you've one got like Oscar. 10 movies under yeah. your belt and have an Oscar and people will just let you make anything because it's so weird and specific. Yeah. I mean, it's set in 1967 in Minnesota, which is the year and place where the Coens grew up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very Jewish. It's their most explicitly Jewish movie. Um, and there aren't that many Jewish movies that aren't Holocaust movies. And I can appreciate that this is a an addition to the canon. Right. 
All right, should we get started? Yeah, let's let's just dive right, in. It starts with um an epi- epigram or epigraph. I always get those two confused. But a quote it starts with a quote. Mm-hmm. Receive with simplicity everything that happens to you, and that's credited to Rashi, who was a famous uh, rabbi and scholar. So uh, that sets the the tone. I mean, that's kind of the yeah the theme. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Would that it were so simple? Um, and we'll see some characters uh, unable to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get this prologue. It's about eight minutes, and it's entirely in Yiddish. Yeah, I I feel like okay. So this this epilogue is such a weird like um opening. Like it mm-hmm. like sets the tone for this yeah. movie that is not this at all. Right. Right. So it, it puts this, this idea in your head that you're like, yeah. Well, for me, that I was concentrating on the whole time because that beginning felt like it felt supernatural. Mm-hmm. Right. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's a folktale. Right. So it felt supernatural. There was this supernatural element to it mm-hmm. that I was looking for throughout the whole movie. So let's dig into the scene. Okay. So, uh, it's so an unnamed 19th century Eastern European shtetl. Mm hmm. And uh, a man comes home to his wife, their home it being this, it's like... Cabin. A cabin. It's one yeah. room. It's all there. Yeah. He gets home. The wife has a giant block of ice in the just, ice pick. Yeah, just picking just at it. Just constantly picking at it. It's good. Um, the good sound, just the tension ramping up that when she goes faster as he's yeah. telling his story. Mm-hmm. His story being that on his way home to sell the geese, the wheel fell off his cart. Mm-hmm. Um... We had seen that it had been snowing really hard. There was a blizzard. Yeah. Um, it was late at night. He, it's a bad time for your wheels to fall off. But a man helped him out. Turns out it's a man that you know. Yeah. It was Reb Groshkover. And right when he says Reb Groshkover, the wife stops picking at the ice. Yeah. <laughs> because he's dead. Yeah, he's been dead for three years. He died of typhus. Um... But the husband doesn't believe his wife. He says, what do you mean? I was just speaking to him. Yeah. She says, no, you were speaking to a Dybbuk. Yeah. A Dybbuk is um, in, I don't know, Jewish folklore, I guess. Mm-hmm. the uh, An evil spirit that has possessed the body of a dead person. Mm-hmm. And so he invited this Dybbuk over for soup. Right. Right. Right when she says you were, you were talking to a Dybbuk. Knock on the door. Yeah. And then it's revealed, oh, yeah, I invited him over. <laughs> uh, and he comes in, and it's a uh, five-ish Finkel, super old guy, mm-hmm. long beard. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you didn't say, hey, this guy might be an evil spirit, it's like he's an unsettling presence. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and he just, like, walks in, and uh, the wife is like, my husband offered you soup. Yeah. And he declines the <laughs> he soup. He declines it. And she's like, of course, because a Dybbuk can't eat. Right. You must be a Dybbuk if you're right. not eating. And so this makes him laugh. Oh, yeah. his re- He just laughs. Yeah. Like, what? Like, I'm here in front of you. You see me, right? Mm-hmm. Then, um... She goes into the story of, um, when he died. Yes. Um, how, um... Who was shaving? Someone was shaving him, right? His father. His father was shaving him, and uh, he left the room to come back and shave the other cheek. Yeah. And he was gone. Right. 
but the now coming in, he has uh, still the uneven beard. Yeah, so like, and she touches his face. Suspicious. Yeah. Um. Something's not not adding up here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the husband explains the whole theory that he might be a dibic, mm-hmm. and uh, he says, "Yeah, it's true. I had typhus. I was staying with Pestle, but I recovered." Mm-hmm. And um. As he's explaining this, just out of nowhere, the wife stabs him with the ice pick. Right in the heart. Yep. And, and of course, he just laughs more. Yeah, he just laughs. And then he's just like, wait, what's happening? Is she right? And the wife says, see, he's a dibic. He's right. fine. And right. he says, actually. And then he looks down. And only then does he start bleeding. Yeah. You see the blood coming through the shirt. He says, mm-hmm. actually, I don't feel very well. Uh, I'm actually going to go. Maybe I will have some soup. Actually... I can tell when I'm not wanted. Right. And he just turns around with the pick, ice pick still in his heart, mm-hmm. just walks out the door and into the snowstorm, leaving wife and husband to wonder what what fate has befallen them. Did yeah. they did they just save themselves by murdering the Dybbuk that he invited into their house? Or is this man who was alive now going to die in the snow right. and the body's going to be discovered and they're going to lose everything? Yeah. Is it a curse or a blessing? Right. And uh, before we get a clear answer, <laughs> really setting the stage for the uh, the ambiguity that will follow throughout the rest. We get this title, this like opening title yeah. credit scene. Yeah, just cuts to the title credits. Um, which, um, when it first starts off, like that bass line sounds mm-hmm. like John Carpenter, like, mm. like so- something John Carpenter would yeah. like to use like sonically. And I was just like... Wait, is it like, what am I about to watch? Like, what am I about to see? Like, I was just like, I was like up at attention at this point. Yeah, but it's just the baseline for for Jefferson Airplane, somebody to love that you heard in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, just immediately going from 19th century Eastern Europe shtetl to uh, 60s rock and roll. Yeah. and the credits, and we talked uh, last week about Mallrats' uh, fun credits with the names coming out of the corners and mm-hmm. stuff in the comic books. I like this one. It's like the names fade in and out, and it's kind of like sm- kind of like smoky almost. Yeah. Um, and it starts just one name at a time, but then like following along with the beat of the song, just yeah. more names start coming, they and it's all, shoot all over yeah. the screen, in and out. Like you think it's going to be a long opening title sequence. Mm-hmm. Okay, one at a time, the names, but then... Yeah, it all comes at once. Uh, it's pretty exciting. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're starting. <laughs> um, so then we start pretty uh, kind of trippy imagery. The It's just the, the ear canal. Yeah. And it starts as just a very small circle in the center of the screen that mm-hmm. gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you don't really know what it is yeah. you're looking at. Um, and then it cuts to an exterior shot of uh, Danny, the, the headphones, Danny the with air the piece. earbud yeah. in his phone. It's connected to a transistor radio because it is 1967. Yeah. And um, Danny's in Hebrew school, listen, mm-hmm. listening to music instead of listening to his teacher. Yeah. And um, and then we cut back and forth between Danny and his father, Larry, who was uh getting checked out by the doctor. Yeah. So it was his ear canal we were looking at 
Mm-hmm. As a point of view of the doctor, we also get close-ups of his eyes, of his stomach, just getting checked out. Yeah, getting the x-ray. Gets x-rays, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Danny's got $20. He's trying to give to Fagel. Yeah. He's just like the his big dealer kid they, slash bully. Yeah, the big kid in the class. But, uh, yeah, he can't get Fagel's attention, yeah. so he just puts it in the pocket of his radio. Yeah. Um, but that gets taken. Yeah, teachers walking around the classroom. Yeah. I love how, no, like, notices. bored everyone is in, mm-hmm. in the classroom. They're mm-hmm. so bored. And he's just going on, repeating. I don't understand what he's saying, but he has, like... It's like trying to get people to answer I can kind of tell, like... Hebrew. Yeah, he's trying to... He's, like, saying it wrong. And then he's like, no, saying it right. And then saying Actually, it Actually, the first, the first uh, child that answers... She says, Anilo Yodea, which means I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he corrects her, Anilo Yoda'at, which is oh. the, uh, the, for female saying, I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's funny that the first answer is, I don't know. Right. <laughs> in <here>. this movie, <laughs> uh, which is all about the things we don't know and can't know. So she didn't even answer the question. No. <laughs> but yeah, then he's, he's walking around asking questions and he sees Danny listening to the music. He, he says, uh, what is this? What is this? But in Hebrew, so mm-hmm. he's saying, maze, maze. And then <laughs> he pulls the earbud out and it comes out of the transistor radio. So all the music starts playing yeah. in the classroom. And all the kids wake causes up. Causes a ruckus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we cut back to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. The first real uh, joke. I don't know. The first, I think it was the first time we left watching this. Oh, yeah. Um, when the doctor is about to give uh, Larry Gopnik the test results, and he offers him a cigarette. Yeah, he Well, first smoking. is the doctor smoking. Yeah, he's smoking Then the he office. says sorry because he forgot to offer yeah. one to his patient. <laughs> Very uh, 60s medical practice. Yeah. And he asks, he says you're in good health. Yeah. And he asks about Judith and the kids. Mm-hmm. We learn that uh, in about two weeks, Danny's going to be bar mitzvahed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... We cut from the doctor and Larry to, to now the classroom, Danny. right? Well, no. no, now Danny's seeing the the principal. Okay, I like that we don't even have a scene of like him being sent to the principal. We just know, yeah, he's at the principal. We know why, and the principal's looking at the radio, trying to figure out yeah. what it is, even. <laughs> Yeah, I love his. He's uh, so old and out of touch. His discovery of it when like he gets the the earbud in, and he's just like, "Oh, it takes like two minutes for him to put it in his ear." It's like silence before that. Danny keeps trying to say, "Yeah, you just put it in," and the principal's cutting him off, um, telling him to speak Hebrew, Mm -hmm. not English. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's what he said. He's saying Ivri, which means Hebrew. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm glad you still like this movie without. the, I mean, I, I went to Hebrew school, so I can relate to, to, not in the 60s, not in Minnesota, but I can relate to stuff. And I have the knowledge of um, Jewish tradition and some Hebrew uh, words that are in there. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that you still, wasn't you still liked it. Yeah, yeah, I was a little worried. Uh, so, yeah, the, the principal I wrote in my notes, Larry King looking motherfucker. <laughs> Larry King looking. Because when he puts the earbud in... Well, first of all, he's got the suspenders and the thick rimmed glasses. Mm-hmm. And then when he puts the earbud in, we get already like nine minutes into the movie. It's our third close up of an ear. Yeah. And we just see the, the white hairs in his ear. I love that. <laughs> it's just disgusting. This is not the guy you want uh, putting your headphones in right. his ear. <laughs> 
And uh, it's just quiet. And then the secretary walks in and kind of hobbles in. Yeah. Brings in the tea. Doesn't say anything. She just hacks and coughs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> it just ends there. <laughs> um, and then we see uh, Larry Gopnik, Professor Gopnik, in his mm-hmm. element teaching uh, physics. his physics class. Yeah. And um, like in any movie where there's a teacher teaching something, the lesson is usually going to tie into uh, the thematic uh, through line of the story. So Gopnik's talking about Schrodinger's paradox. Yeah. And the the paradox is just like, okay, so there's a cat in a box, Mm -hmm. right? You know, there's a cat in the box. Um, But is the cat dead or alive, right? Right. Um, And can you know that without opening the box? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like once you open the box, you know it's either alive or it's dead because yeah. you can see. But if the box is closed, it's both alive and dead. And, dead. Yeah. and that's the paradox. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Clive. We get- go- yeah, he goes to his office. Yep. And uh, he's met by Clive. Yeah, a foreign exchange student. Um, who, uh, I don't, I don't even think he's an exchange student cause his father's around okay. later. True. You're right. Yeah. They but just, he's, a, he's a South Korean scholar. He's on yeah. scholarship mm-hmm. that he might lose because <laughs> he's he, getting a failing grade. Yeah. He failed the last test. He, um, he says he understands the physics, but he didn't do the math. Yeah. He doesn't get the math. Um, I like he how understands th- the story of the cat. In the box. Yeah, he says, I understand the dead cat. Yeah. But, yeah, he didn't study the math. But, yeah, Larry says, even I don't understand the dead cat. Yeah, the The, the dead cat is just a story. Yeah, the math is what's real. The stories are just uh, illustrative. Yeah. They're like fables. They're like fables. Which kind of refers back to what we saw in the opening. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the beginning of this scene is set up because with him uh, getting a... messages from his secretary and he sits down at the desk and he flips through the three messages as mm-hmm. Clive is beginning to talk about how he wants the grade changed or to take another secret test. Hush hush. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first message is from Cy Abelman says, let's have a good talk. Yeah. Then the second one's Dick Dutton from the Columbia record club. Uh, and then the third one, as Clive is saying, um, I'm distressed about my grade. Yeah. Is the message. Clive is distressed about his grade. Yeah. Um, and these uh, these messages come back, and I like, they're a good device for, uh, there's a lot of different things that happen. Yeah. And uh, this is one way in which they're organized or, uh, and then easily referenced in other scenes. Mm-hmm. So Clive wants to take another test, but it's not fair yeah. to the other kids. Yeah. It's uh, very troubling. Very troubling. Um, and pretty much that uh, ends with, I mean, Clive just walking out because he can't get uh, Larry to agree to, like, change the grade mm-hmm. or give him a secret test. Right. Um, but then Larry, um, upon Clive leaving, um, starts to talk to Cy. Yes. Right. So he's starting to talk to Cy. Uh, we don't really get much from the conversation because uh, Larry no, himself is get, not really focused on it. We just get Sai's voice. Larry. Yeah. yeah. How are Larry. you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Larry is like focused on stuff on his desk. And then he realizes that there's an envelope 
He looks inside the envelope and there's money. It's not an envelope. And, it's an yeah. envelope full of cash. It's an envelope full of cash. He's like, holy, what the hell? And so he's like, uh, um, uh, call back. Like, that's all he says is call back and hangs up. And so he rushes out to look for Clive to give him back this mm-hmm. money. Yeah, but Clive's nowhere to yeah, be seen. he's gone. It's a classic uh, Coen Brothers trope, just a character coming across a large sum of money. And then what do you do with it? Yeah. And then usually they're punished for it. <laughs> okay, now we get a, a scene, we get to see what Larry's home life is like. Yeah. And it is pretty chaotic. Yeah. So we've got his daughter, Sarah, trying to get in the bathroom to wash her hair. Yeah. But his brother, Arthur... Is in the bathroom. Oh, he's so funny. Just like, just like yeah, the Richard little bit. Kind. Yeah. In his voice. I'll be the, out in a minute. In a minute. <laughs> um, we see Danny coming home from school. He's on the school bus talking to his friends about how he owes Fagel money for the pot he bought from him. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to get his ass beat. Yeah, I love the, the kid in the seat behind him who just keeps saying fucker. Oh, he's a fucker. She's yeah. a fucker. They're all fuckers. It's just uh, when I was that age, I was definitely... When I was just with my friends, just saying fucker, fucker, fuck. and, and shit. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to be cool. Um, Larry pulls into the driveway. He sees his neighbor cutting part of his lawn. Yeah, and he's just like, "What?" Yeah, and and, it, and when he tells the wife, uh, she doesn't think it's a big deal. She's like, "Is right. it important?" But he's just like. Well, kind of. It's, it's a little it, odd. Yeah, it's a little odd. Maybe he thinks it's part of his lawn, and mm-hmm. that's why he's doing it. Right. Um, they sit down for dinner, everyone but Arthur, who says he'll be out in a minute. By this time, I counted. It's the fifth time yeah. he said, I'll be out in a minute. Out in a minute. <laughs> we should wait for him. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, and they just start eating. And then uh, Arthur gets his first piece of bad news. Yeah. Which um, is his wife his wants wife. a divorce. His wife wants a divorce. Larry, did you get a chance to talk to Cy? Right. Uh, I want a divorce. I've been seeing Cy. This isn't about Cy. <laughs> yeah. This, you brought up Cy. Yeah, everything gets turned around on Arthur. I yeah. mean, on uh, Larry. Yeah. Um, she says she wants a get, which is a in the Jewish faith, a ritual divorce that you need in order to remarry in mm-hmm. the faith. Uh, there's a bit about a get, a what, a get. Yeah. And that comes back. I uh, like really like the wife's performance throughout this whole movie, mm-hmm. but in this scene, it was great because she was like, she's so serious, and then she has that line of, "This isn't whoopsie doopsie," and but she says it so straight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a silly line, but I like love the, 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 the way like, words are such yeah, it's so serious. Yeah. And um, she's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry's just. Really hung up on the whole Cy Abelman part of it. Yeah. She says Esther's Esther's barely cold. She says, Esther's been dead for three years and it was a loveless marriage. <laughs> um So yeah, she she wants a divorce and I mean we're seeing this 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 picture through his eyes, so mm-hmm. he's kind of blindsided by it. Yeah, he says, I haven't done anything. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. But she ever. turns that around on him. That's right. We you haven't done anything. I haven't done anything <laughs> so things haven't been as uh as nice as they have been presented i would say right. um and this like suburban nice like white collar blue collar family right um now uh cut to arthur's 
Oh, during the talk with his wife, he said he just says he doesn't even know where he's supposed to sleep now yeah. because his brother Arthur is sleeping on their couch, right? Which is where you would typically go amid strife in your marriage. Yeah. So it cuts to that night, and he's just is still sitting at the kitchen table. Yeah. With slept his at the he table. slept at the table, and now we get to see Arthur for the first time, yeah. and it is such a great character introduction because it's from the perspective of Larry who has his head down at the table. Mm -hmm. So it's like this, uh, slanted camera angle Mm -hmm. of, and it's the middle of the night and it's Arthur coming in hunched over. He's got the ice pack on his neck, just like, uh, breathing very heavily. Right. And he opens the the fridge door and it's like, so there's like a bit of a horror movie lighting going on. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, drinking juice out of a can. Yeah. Like a giant can. Um, just, like, slurping it. It's just very... He just seems like like a wretched creature. Like, yeah. just in such pain and miserable and right. like, like a who, monster almost. Who drinks out of the carton from someone else's fridge that you're, like, a guest... <laughs> you're a guest at their house and you just drink the last of their juice from the carton. Coming out of the bathroom, tired, exhausted... <laughs> yeah um and then uh then we have our second meeting with clive yeah because uh actions have consequences Every not action. just yeah not just in physics but also morally mm-hmm. he says to clive mm-hmm. who uh denies that the money was his yeah and he does it so quick he's like you left i didn't leave anything yeah. You don't even know what I was going to say. I didn't I'm leaving. I'm not missing anything. Yeah. I know where everything is. Yeah. And he pulls out the envelope. He says, is this something? Is this, this is something, that's right? something? It's not yeah. nothing. Uh, but Clive, yeah, he pleads ignorance. Yeah. Uh, even though Gopnik says, it wasn't here before you were here. Yeah. And then you left and then it was here. Yeah, so then Larry threatens to take it to um, Professor his Finkel. Yeah, yeah, um, and and like just have this whole ordeal with it, right? But right. Clive continues to deny that it was his. Mm-hmm. He says it's mere surmise, sir. Which then you get a little bit of, uh, I guess, not really wordplay, but a miscommunication joke because Larry has no idea what he just said. Yeah, um, mere surmise, sir. Very uncertain. Yeah. And that's how the scene ends, which yeah. is very uncertain. Uh, back at home, Danny's listening to a Cantor Rosenblatt record. He's mm-hmm. practicing for his bar mitzvah. All right. uh, He's just going to memorize it by song, by right? By song, yeah. Just memorize the. Instead of being able to read Torah, he's just going to be able to recite it. Yeah, he's just going to sing it and out. It's a the classic bar mitzvah boy voice cracking thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but his sister storms in. Yeah, she's mad that he stole money from her. Right. But he says, "What are you going to do? Tell Dad because I know you've been stealing the money from him." <laughs> right. So it's a uh, he's stealing stolen money. Yeah. And in comes Dad. Yeah. <laughs> just within the minute of him stepping in, he's just confronted with all these issues in his house. The son's complaining about not getting a signal. There's no F troop. The wife asks if he's seen a lawyer. The daughter's complaining about Arthur in the bathroom who right. shouts, I'll be out in a minute. Right. And it's all happening at once. And all Larry can do is just ask, what's going on? What's going on here? Which is uh, one of his catchphrases, yeah. I guess. Uh, There's a storm in the house. 
Yeah. Um, later that night, we get Psy. We get to meet Psy face meet to Psy, face. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Fred Melamed, mm-hmm. who, if you don't know the name, I'm sure if you Google him, you'll be like, oh, that guy. Yeah, I've seen him in a show or something. Yeah. Uh, Really, really big physical presence, mm-hmm. at least the way he plays it in this movie. Because yep. um, he walks in, and Larry, like, is kind of like, you want to come sit in the kitchen? But before he can even finish the sentence, uh, Sai's just walking there, kind of yeah. pushing Larry into the kitchen, and then yeah. against a counter, like, really cornering him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so much taller than, than Larry as well. Yeah, he's so big, and he's got this uh, low but very... Like gentle tone, it's a gentle tone, but it's like kind of disingenuous the yeah. way it's coming off. Larry, Larry, I brought you some wine. Now this isn't just wine. Yeah, <laughs> this is a gesture. It's a, it's a gift, and he's just being like overly nice for like being the guy that's taking your wife. Yeah, you know, and. He says, it, it and when you, when you open this wine, make sure you let it breathe, Larry. Yeah. That's very important. This happens to Larry a few times where characters that are, like, kind of, like, maybe being, like, not the best people or, like, mm-hmm. like presenting, like, are presented as, like, threats to him are, like, super nice. And so he can't react in a way that you would. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to... You're confused and maybe so you're just being nice back because you don't want to be the aggressor. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he's Larry, kind of Larry's this, a, a this real true to form cuck. Yeah, he's <laughs> kind of cucked in this yeah. in this situation. He's been cuckolded by Cy Abelman. Yeah, and, and he's he just can't, passive. Yeah. yeah, he can't lash out. He, then he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. They're handling handling it like adults. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing. They're, they want him to handle it like an adult as well. Yes. So he kind of just has to take it. Uh, the, the next scene, we get our first uh, weed smoking scene. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Danny and his friend are uh, in the bathroom at Hebrew school. They look through the window and see the bus leaving without them. They're staying late. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime they're smoking in the bathroom stall, uh, the, the line is always, pass me that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time. Um, you know, so staying in school late, getting high, and then sneaking into the principal's office to try to get the transistor radio back to get yeah. the $20. And they pick the lock, they get the drawer open, but no radio. Yeah, it's not there. No. So now he has to go another day without giving uh, Faggle his money. Yeah, yeah, he's walking home, and I like this shot. He's walking down the street to his house, and it's like a straight line. Yeah. But then um, behind him, you see Fagel start to come out, who yeah. lives only a couple houses down. So Danny starts running yeah. away. He's being chased. Once he gets to his house, he's safe. Yeah. Fagel has to stop, and he's just panting. Yeah, I like how you don't see his face. Mm-hmm. You don't see his face until, like, the end. Yeah. Um, even and then, I just think like, you only really see the back of his head. Yeah. Um, and so he's just like this this presence that's chasing down Danny. Yeah. And then is, I think, my favorite, uh, at least uh, visually, the sequence. And it's it's only, it's pretty short, but it's the, the shot. Roof. Yeah, you just see the clouds of the sky. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, a ladder comes into frame. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, Larry going up to the roof to fix the signal, but 
Yeah. I just love the way the scenes opened with, it's like he's propping up a ladder to climb into the heavens yeah. almost. Yeah. It was something about this, this sequence. It was something about that shot too, where I was just like, Oh, I like the composition mm-hmm. of this shot. Cause you get, you get the roof, you get him coming up and you can see his lawn. Yeah. You can see the car and the driveway as well. So you get a, it's a pretty, pretty good picture that they, that they got. Yeah. And he's, a. Uh... Once he's up on his roof, he's looking all around. You get the the score. The dun, 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 it's so worrisome. Dun, 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 like, and it's kind of creepy too. It's like a and a lot of this movie has kind of the feel of a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, and you're just like, so is something gonna happen? Like, what's 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 going yeah. on? It's kind of yeah, and he's just see, looking down on everything, seeing his neighborhood and his life from a different perspective. Yeah, his uh, his neighbors are out playing catch. Yeah. <laughs> um. And he gets to the uh, the antenna, and he's adjusting the signal, which is a very um, symbolically weighted uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing for him to be doing. I mean, his son wants him to be able to get the signal to watch F Troop, but yeah. also it's like he's having, you know, it's a midlife crisis movie. He's trying to figure out how to be in the world. He makes right. his own signal mm-hmm. adjusted because... Um, you know, a lot of a serious man deals with how do you um, hear God? Mm-hmm. Where do you hear him? Right. And uh, right now, Larry Gopnik cannot hear God. You're right. Um, while up there observing everything, mm-hmm. he steps a little further over yes. and he sees... Uh, Mrs. Samsky. Yeah, Mrs. Samsky uh, sunbathing in the nude. Yes. Um, I think he's overwhelmed. <laughs> and yeah. does he like faint and fall off the roof no 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 okay. it's a it's a long see- long part of him just looking at her mm-hmm. and I like that the camera is kept at a distance the whole time as mm-hmm. if we're still seeing it only from Larry's point of view mm-hmm. um it's never you, you never get the close up yeah. on on her mm-hmm. um but yeah it's just this intriguing thing and then after like a minute all we get is and I only know this because we watched it with the subtitles, which I appreciated. In brackets, it just said, quiet whimper. It's just Larry going, <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, the camera, like, veers off into the sun. Mm-hmm. And then the next shot you get is him laying down with, like, a rag on his head. Yeah. I don't think it's because he fell off the he roof. Fell. Okay, I think if he, he fell I think off the roof, it would be headache. worse. But, okay, I was, it was, like, it was too much for him. And he was just like, oh, he, like, lost his balance or something. Oh, uh, no, I think he's just trying to... uh it's too much sun. To relax. And I think he's just trying to relax after a day of all these things coming up and okay. all this stuff happening. Yeah, he's on the couch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's disorienting the cut because we're just like above him now. Yeah. And he's listening. I don't know what it is, but it's like a Hebrew opera kind of of some sort. Mm-hmm. The record he's listening to. And then you see Arthur working on the Mentaculus. Yeah. Which, what a... What a plot device of Mentaculus. I feel like that could be a whole movie. The it could be a movie called The Mentaculus, and it's all about this uh, probability map of the universe. Yeah. But instead, it's just a, a small section of this movie. Yeah. And uh, he checks it out. Yeah, Arthur Arthur asks Larry to give it a look when he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's- we cut to the morning, like er- very early in the morning, mm-hmm. before the sun's even out. Mm-hmm. Uh Arthur's on the couch snoring with his uh, suction machine because he has to. He has a subsatious cyst he needs to suck out. That's why he's always in the bathroom. Yeah. What um, kind of cyst do you need to constantly drain? 
Yeah. Uh, it's disgusting <laughs> and unfortunate. Um, and Larry gets up, makes some coffee, peeks out the window. Mm-hmm. It's, the sun hasn't even come up yet, but his neighbors are uh, out with guns, mm-hmm. loading their car for a hunting trip. Yeah, father and son. And the then, prince. yeah, and then he uh, pages through the Mentaculous, and you get a. It's kind of like the Shining yeah. moment where it, he sees what this thing is, and it kind of just looks like a bunch of scribbles and like numbers and it's lines, a full notebook, and, page after page, yeah, kind of nonsense, yeah, lines and uh, like math equations, but with like Hebrew letters, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's confounding. For sure. And it's like the, the haunting music as he does it. Yeah. And then it's a cut and he's back in his office all of a sudden yeah. looking at some other book. Mm-hmm. And he's interrupted by Arlen, who is the head of the tenure committee mm-hmm. because Larry is on track for tenure. Yeah. This is another one of those like side, like nice characters that mm-hmm. are being like super oh, yeah. passive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's like he's he's bringing up something that is a threat, but he's like it's not a threat. Right? This won't affect our judgment. This won't affect it, but I have to let you and know. I shouldn't be telling you this, but I uh, want yeah. to. Yeah, I feel the need, but again, it it bear, has no bearing of judge in our judgment of you. Right. So you when you present it like that, you really can't react because it's it's not gonna affect it. But then why are you bringing it up to me? Right. So apparently someone's been uh, writing letters to yeah. the tenure committee, mm-hmm. denigrating him, urging them not to grant him tenure. Mm-hmm. Moral turpitude, mostly. <laughs> uh, Larry suspects that it, it might have been Clive, who's mm-hmm. upset that he didn't change his grade. Yeah. But it turns out the letters are written uh, definitely by a native English speaker, very eloquently written. Yeah. So perhaps not Clive. Mm-hmm. But again, it it won't matter. <laughs> yeah, again, it won't matter. It, I just thought I know, should tell you. <laughs> I, it would be weird if I didn't tell you that um, someone is kicking I love back how in. In all the scenes of Arlen like coming to the office, he never enters the office. He's always just leaning against the door frame, yeah. like fiddling with his jacket or mm-hmm. his hands or something, looking down. Yeah. Like he doesn't really make eye contact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. So with that news, he can't do anything. But well, worry? Just, yeah, just feel the, the stress. Yeah. Uh, there's some mysterious uh, force that's after him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then he gets home. Yeah. And there's, there's in his, on his lawn, there's strings and flags set up. Yeah. Um, so now he has to approach uh, Mr. Br- Brandt. Uh, Br- Brandt. Yeah. They're, about it. They just pull into their driveway. With a, a full dead deer yes. on their on their roof for the car, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Brandt tells his son, "Go scrub up, Mitch." <laughs> yeah, you get such great like characters around Larry mm-hmm. and this like strong characterizations of like you know people in like and like the Jewish culture and just like mm-hmm. even like when like earlier when like the secretary of the principal just walked by and like yeah. hawks and like swallows like right. that's such great like <laughs> filler right yeah and like when Mr. Brent you get like this like really like macho manly like white male character yeah, he's, who he's values the, uh, father son time yeah he's over. the gory neighbor that takes yeah. his son out of school to hunt yeah and he plays catch with his son and he uh He's 
Larry asks what uh, what's up with the lawn. He says it's going to be a boat shed. <laughs> uh, uh, boat sheds aren't very uh, Jewish thing to build. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, going hunting and building boat sheds is very, very uh, goyish. <laughs> As Larry's talking, the Mister Brand has to repeat to his son, "I said go scrub up, Mitch." Right, and they both have the same haircut. <laughs> yeah, it's like the crew cut. Yeah, um, he just doesn't want his son to have to interact with Larry Gopnik, who yeah. is clear in his interactions that he has no respect for. <laughs> yeah. Because um, Larry says, you know, it's a, it's, it seems to be right at the, the property line. Right. Like mm-hmm. The brand says, Poplar's the line. The line's the popular. <laughs> he was like, line's the popular. He's like, yeah, but I mean, the popular is like a little bit more over and you're a little bit past that. And, you know, this scene kind of breaks b- before there's any real resolution. Right, you can see, he checks like across the street, and you can see that the neighbors like have their lawns divided, mm-hmm. and it's not even to what's on their side. Like yeah. it's clear that uh, the brants are infringing on their. I thought property. it was a little weird from the beginning that there was no fence up. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, so people just used to like live to, in harmony together uh, before yeah. fences, and, but it. Seems like if they had a fence, that hmm. this wouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, I guess not. But yeah, the the scene ends abruptly, and uh, because Danny is getting home and he's sprinting home, yeah. f- away from Fagel. Mm-hmm. So uh, Larry walks in the house, asking uh, what's going on, because he never knows what's going on. Yeah, they won't tell him. <laughs> um, he's up to something, and right when he walks in. His, his daughter Sarah's uh, getting ready to leave, going to the hole, which is like, um, it was like a, a rock club or something. Okay. In Minnesota at that time. And she's all done up. Except for her hair. She's stopping hair. at a friend's house to wash her hair. Why can't, why can't you just do it here? I'll be out in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Judith is asking if he's seen the lawyers yet. Right. Do you have an appointment with Siegel, Siegelstein and Schlutz yet? But he mm-hmm. doesn't have that until Monday. So once again, he gets home and right away, all the different uh, pr- pressures are yeah. uh, coming, coming out. Um, and also, so the wife is just like, um, we have a meeting with Sai. Yeah, we have dinner with Sai. I, I told, told you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is like, she, are, she already mentioned it to him and yeah. he just like forgot. She didn't mention it to him in a scene that the audience saw, yes. which is, I like how they keep that from us. It's not like we saw her say that and we know that he didn't remember. Mm-hmm. It places us uh, in the same uncertainty as his, like, did she say that? Right. And so he, once again, he's just this uh, this passive character just yeah. being dragged into different scenes. Mm-hmm. And the dinner with Sai is so... Awkward. It's, it's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, because Judith and Sai sit, sit next to each other, and then he's on the opposite mm-hmm. side looking at them. And uh, they're really attacking Larry, but making it seem like they're on the defense from him. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, how dare he suggest, like, that they move in together. Right. So what's happening is Sai, Sai speaking for Judith, is saying, think about the children. We want to keep them out of this. Danny's yeah. about to be bar mitzvah. We think it's best if you leave the house. That's, yeah, that's like, it's presented so weird. Like, Sai and I think that you should move yeah. out. The, the Jolly Roger has rooms available and, and there's a pool. <laughs> 
Um, but yes, uh, Larry's like, well, you two just move in. Yeah. But they're very offended. At yeah, they're, they're very saying, offended. Like, the audacity. They say, like, and we're not playing the blame game. And Larry said, I, I never said it was anyone's fault. I said, well, don't make this a he said, she said either. Yeah. <laughs> so he really can't win. Yeah. Uh, Sai says, you know, I think it's sometimes best to count to 10. And he touches him. He touches his hand. Sai is so physical. The The scene with the dinner starts. It opens on... Larry being held by Sai, mm-hmm. uh, just a bear hug. Yes, um, and then for like a good twenty seconds, Sai just has Larry's whole head in his giant hands. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, Sai reaches over the table to hold Larry's hand. He counts to five and then says, "And then we can do it silently too." And then <laughs> you Judith see the head and moving. Sai are like <laughs> bobbing together. <laughs> um. Yeah. This so, is one of those moments where I thought. Oh, he's gonna break here, or at least it's gonna be like a like like a like a daydream sequence, mm. you know, like a dream sequence, because that that does happen. Well, it didn't happen yet. Though. Not yet, but um, it is it is a dreamy movie, though. Yeah, like any good uh, stoner movie, where um, he would just snap on them, but no, he doesn't. He takes it again, mm-hmm. and uh, so John yes. Roger. So uh, yeah, so now. We get another little scene of Danny practicing for his bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah comes in asking for him to give the money back. She's yeah. going to tell dad, but he's going to tell dad that she's saving money to get a blow to get a nose job. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Larry wants to take the record player from from Danny's room. He mm-hmm. can use the hi fi because he's gathering his stuff together together to go to the Jolly Roger. Mm-hmm. He's packing his car in the driveway, and up comes uh, Mr. Park, played yes. by Stephen Park, who uh, Cohen viewers will remember as Mikey Anagita from Fargo. That's a nice. Uh, Cohen's bringing back one of their they're actors. They're actors, yeah. Yep. And he's a uh, he's Clive's father, saying, "You're defaming my son." Yeah, it's a culture clash. Culture clash. Culture yeah. clash. But uh, Larry says, "I don't think that's it." Yeah. Because I, I understand what's happening. I'm not yeah. going to take the money and change his grade. Yeah, unless it's in your culture to pay for <laughs> grades, then it's not a culture clash. Um, the neighbor, Mr. Brandt, yeah. comes over and he comes like, is this guy bothering you? Yeah, he says, is this guy bothering you? And Larry says, no. no. But then it cuts away and it's clear that Brandt was talking to Mr. Park, asking if Larry was bothering him. <laughs> <laughs> just, he he just looks from at the him. Line. Yeah, he's of course holding a hedge trimmer, right? <laughs> just a threatening presence. Um, yeah, and we got a bit of a catch twenty two. Mister Park says, um, "If you report that my son tried to bribe you, that's defamation." Right. So what you have to do is just take the money, don't tell anyone, and pass in grade. Right. <laughs> Um, defamation. And then he says, I can't. That's bribery. He says, defamation. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gabnik says, either he left the money or he didn't. And um, Mr. Park says, one of those lines in a movie that sums everything up. He says, accept the mystery. Yeah. And now we're at the beach. I did not realize that he was talking to um, um, Larry, or he was like talking to Mr. Park. Oh, yeah, like, if you look at the guy. eye line, it's like he's clearly looking at Mr. Park when he says, Is this guy bothering oh, you? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 
I think Brant has absolutely no respect for Larry. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I thought it was just like he was like shitting Larry earlier, but also he was like protecting his neighborhood. Mm. But that like changes it to him, yeah. him just shitting on Larry the whole yeah. time. Um, it, I don't know if it's ever explained who this woman is that Larry's talking to. No. Uh, just a friend, just a, yeah. just a voice to that gets him to go to the rabbi. A, fa- a family friend who knows him and Arthur. First, they're talking about Arthur. Mm-hmm. Arthur's out in the beach in the water playing with kids. For some reason, it's just really funny seeing yeah. Richard Kind in a bathing suit, yeah. with, splashing with children. Yeah. And he's like this miserable, wretched creature, and yet he's having a great day at the beach. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're talking about how Arthur. Doesn't have a job. He can't find anything. He, he has have, no love life. Has no love life. He goes to, to the single singles mixers yeah. at the Hillel, but nothing ever comes of it. Mm-hmm. We also see um, Danny and his friend getting high yeah. in a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, Larry's complaining about all the things in his life. I mean, let's try to figure what's happening. He's getting uh, bribed or threatened of a lawsuit mm-hmm. from. Uh, his student, his neighbor is uh, trimming part of his lawn to try to like take some of his property. Yeah, he's getting uh, a divorce. Getting a divorce. He's for exiled out of his house. Yeah, uh, he uh, has the, the brother. He has to take care of. Take care of as well. He's got uh, tenure. He might be getting. Except wait, there's these mysterious letters. Right. So a lot, a lot of things not going well, and he yes. doesn't understand why it's all happening to him. So his friend urges him to go see the rabbi because yeah. we're Jews. We don't have to go through this thing alone. We have this well of tradition and teachings that we can turn to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go see the rabbi. Yeah. And Larry says, well, what's the rabbi going to tell me? And we get the line. <laughs> if, I was, if, if I knew, I'd be the rabbi. <laughs> Um, then the this scene ends with uh, <laughs> with Arthur coming out of the water saying, "I love this fresh air. If you could bottle up this fresh air, you'd make millions." Yeah, and it like echoes out and cuts to black, and then we get like a this. I think it's like a, a door slamming or something. Yeah, it's like a real loud thump. It might be the coffin closing because the sound does come back in one dream sequence okay. where a coffin comes in. Yeah, but yeah, just the, a booming noise. Yeah. And the text, the first rabbi. Yeah. Because we're going to be, we're going to get a, a series of rabbis. Yeah. That Arthur, that Larry turns to for help. Yeah. And he's trying to see the senior rabbi, right? Yeah, he's trying to see Nochner, but he ends up seeing Rabbi Scott instead. Yeah. The junior rabbi. Mm-hmm. Played by Simon Helberg of Big Bang Theory fame. Okay, I thought that's who that was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, doing some real acting. <laughs> and yeah, so he he's come to the rabbi to seek like marital advice, mm-hmm. and now he has to talk to this super young man. It's like in his early thirties, maybe even late twenties. Yeah. Like it's true. I'm the junior rabbi. I yeah. don't know as much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the best thing that Rabbi Scott can tell Larry is uh, look at the parking lot. Exactly. <laughs> you know, take for look, instance look at the that parking, parking lot. lot. I mean, it's not much, but. If you picture yourself, imagine yourself a visitor, unfamiliar with autos and such. New eyes. You need a new perspective. Yeah, that's all he needs is to switch his perspective. Yeah, that's all he can give him. And he's really fixated on that parking lot for some reason. It's like, yeah, it's all he can manage to 
to yeah. say to console Larry. And yeah. then after that whole speech, Larry mentions, oh, yeah. And uh, she's seeing Cy Abelman and she wants a get. Right. A get. A what? Oh, oh again, because he's a rabbi. Of course, he should know. Yeah, and he says, "Well, yeah, um, she will. She will need that if she wants to remarry." Yeah. So he's, you know, he already could barely help Larry, and yeah. now like he has to help Larry up deal with uh, his wife falling in love with another man. Yeah, and already wanting to remarry. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, way out very of his in over his head. Yes. And he says, uh, you know, and you should see Rabbi Nochner mm-hmm. and maybe even Marshak if you can get in. But he mostly just visits the bar mitzvah boy every week. And that's about it. Yeah. Uh, but but just the parking lot, you know, yeah, the parking, the parking lot. lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while while Larry's there, we're back in the Gopnik household. Mm-hmm. Danny runs home once again. Fago running after him. And it's dinner time for the Gopniks. Larry's not around. He's at the rabbi or at the Jolly Roger. He's at the Jolly Roger. Uh, and so, so they, they just, sit down. I, I son, just, daughter, and mother. Daughter kicks son under the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, stop. Mother says, what's going on here? No answer. And they just slurp their soup. The way she goes back into eating her soup. <laughs> it's great. great. It's like she doesn't even expect an answer. Yeah. Yeah, she pauses and it just goes back into eating. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as a family, they're just slurping soup. That's all I hear is. Now, Larry is finally meeting with his lawyer. Yes. Lawyer played by Adam Arkin, who's mm-hmm. actually Alan Arkin's son. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And okay. uh, an actor in his own, but also he directs. I don't know if he's done any movies, mm-hmm. but he's directed. Some really good episodes of Justified and some episodes, ironically, of the Fargo TV series. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, Adam Arkin, the lawyer, is uh, the new person that Larry goes to. (laughs) Like, There's all these scenes of Larry going to someone. I mean, he just came from the junior rabbi. And uh, the lawyer asks, how are you? And Larry puts on this whole thing like yeah you know i'm actually doing all right i've got fresh new eyes and i'm trying to keep a good perspective yeah. the lawyer says really and right away larry just back down he's like i don't know maybe not <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was really trying for yeah, a second for a but second. This, the moment he's called out on it he just gives up yeah um the lawyer is going to bring him a a, a bunch of new issues Mostly uh, financial issues. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's going to, like, he has a whole team. So, like, he starts going over, like, what their hourly um, charge is. Yeah, he says, Solomon, Solomon Schlutz can look at your properly line thing. Yeah. Nothing gets past Saul. Yeah. Uh, and I'll help you with uh, the divorce. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, another th- scene with him saying she wants to get a what? Yeah. And then he says, oh, well, that's not really a legal issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Saul is going to be $110 an hour. Mm-hmm. And then right before we can get to what his price is. Well, his hourly fee is. Yeah. It's interrupted by um, a phone call for, for Larry. Larry. And without hesitation, he's like, you can take it here. <laughs> yeah, it pulls out the phone. <laughs> right, like Before here. he even says how much I'm charging right. you an hour. Please, take your time. <laughs> yeah, no, take your time. <laughs> take a personal call right yes. now. And it's just his son saying, Dad, you've got to come home. Uh, 
it's like the boy who cried wolf because the only problem is he can't get F Troop, the yeah. TV show he and wants to like, watch. What? <laughs> this is what you're calling me for? Yeah. That's it. It's just F Troop. Mm-hmm. And then is the... Uh, the, the son's co- life is so simple. Yeah, he... The son uh, abides by the the quote at the beginning. He, t- he takes everything with simplicity. Yeah. Which is perhaps what we all ought to do. Uh, then we get the, the car sequence. We see uh, Larry driving. Yeah. And Cy. Was the scene starts actually with Larry leaving? Well, his, we're in the Jolly Roger with him. He wakes up to yeah. uh, his brother mm-hmm. uh, snoring and the sound of the suction machine. Yeah. And Larry leaves the the motel and gets in his car. I really like the shot of him getting in the car. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, the camera's, like, kind of high up, maybe on a crane or something, like, looking down on Larry. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a God view. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's of a parking lot. Yeah. Um, after after the junior rabbi's speech about a fresh perspective in the parking lot, we get a lot of uh, concrete, like, pavement shots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, from that angle, that makes it seem almost otherworldly, like... We're, it is just a parking lot, but the way we're seeing it is from an angle mm-hmm. we're not used to. And uh, it cuts between Larry driving and then Cy getting in his car in his powder blue golf Onesie. outfit. Yeah. yeah, it's like a sweater vest with the pants, but it's all one color. Yeah. He's got his golf clubs in the trunk. Yeah, he's a stylish man of the 60s. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we keep cutting back and forth between them driving and very ominous music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just creating, uh, parallels between them two, just driving. Mm-hmm. Um, but Larry, um, Larry looks tired. He looks haggard. Oh yeah. I mean, he's uh, not Cy sleeping because he's just staying in the Jolly Roger yeah. with his loud brother. Yeah. Um, and he see Clives and so he's distracted and he's kind of yelling out. Yeah, and we cut between that and Sai, who's waiting to make a left turn at the country club. A very dangerous left a turn. A dangerous left because club. it's it's like turn. a it's a it's a corner, mm-hmm. right? You can't so see you, the cars. Yeah, coming. you can't see the cars coming. You kind of just have to wait a moment and yeah. be like, "Oh, so no cars are coming now," and then go. Yeah, that compared with the music, paired with the music, and also all the bad things that keep happening already, mm-hmm. they really set you up for thinking. Oh. Side's gonna hit Larry, yeah. On this turn, kind of yes, yeah. Um, but instead, what happens is Larry gets into a three car pileup um, by hitting a car yeah, he in front ends of him, the car, and yeah. then a car rear ends him because he's yeah he sees Clive riding a bicycle wearing a which <laughs> wouldn't be out of place in twenty twenty yeah, but uh, Clive's wearing the the surgical mask yes he is. On his uh, bike. And Larry's shouting to him, what, are you going to send your mother for me next? Yeah. Hey. And then, bam. Yeah. Car crash. So, we see Larry's car crash, and then that's it for that sequence. Yeah, we don't get to see what happened with Cy in the yeah. left turn. Yeah. We're only, uh, we're back at, uh, at Larry's office. Mm-hmm. And Dick Dutton's on the phone again. Yeah. This time, he takes the call. Yeah. Dick Dalton is with uh, Columbia and uh, Columbia Records Club. Columbia Record Club, but yeah. it's funny because Larry says, "I didn't sign up for the Colombian Record Club." Yeah, 
Um, yeah, this was like a, a big thing in that time yeah. of uh, people signing up for this thing and then being drained of all their money because it's like you automatically yeah by doing nothing by exactly I haven't that's right I haven't done anything yeah. no exactly sir by doing nothing you sign up to get the monthly main selection at full retail price plus shipping and handling yeah so he's already uh, got some money troubles has to pay for the divorce and yeah. everything he's four months in on this too yeah. He didn't order Santana Abraxas. Yeah. Santana Abraxan? I didn't listen to Santana Abraxan. <laughs> I don't want Santana Abraxan. <laughs> um, another just Coen Brothers connection. I don't know the guy's name, but the guy playing Dick Dutton on the other side of the phone is the same guy who calls Jerry Lundergaard throughout Fargo about uh, the payments that he owes. Mm-hmm. So it's like a this similar character oh. type that they have this guy voicing. Um, that call is interrupted. Yeah. Once again, by Danny, who says mm-hmm. it's an emergency, yeah. but Larry assumes it's just the antenna. Yeah. Uh, Larry says, Danny, did you sign up for the Columbia Record Club? And then there's silence. Yeah. And Danny says, um, you really need to come home. Right. <laughs> Mom's freaking out. Yeah. And we don't know why. We don't know why. On that phone call with Dick Dalton, though, mm-hmm. he brings up the car accident. Oh, yeah. To, like, nothing, though. He says, no, I don't want Santana Braxis. I've just had a car accident. And so the guy's like, uh, I'm sorry. Is, are you okay? And then he's like, yeah, no one was hurt. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Usually when you bring something up like that, you use it. You'll use it, right? He didn't, though. He didn't use it. He just brought it up. When he was asked if he was okay, he realized, yeah, I am okay. Yeah, no okay. one was hurt. Yeah, he didn't lie about it. <laughs> so but... Dick Dutton's, well, uh, yeah, so... Let's get back to business. <laughs> yeah, but but interrupted. Dick Dutton doesn't want to be taken off the phone, but he is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he goes home. He rushes home, and... Um, like the other times he comes home, he's confronted with a bunch of stuff happening, but it's a little different this time. <laughs> yeah. The kids are so simple and, like, so, like, <laughs> not, not, like, in tune mm-hmm. with, like what's going on with the adults at all like they have their own thing going on mm-hmm. and so judith is like crying like yeah, howling here from the other room and pretty much uh he's first met with the daughter and she's like does this mean i can't go to the hole anymore <laughs> can, like I can, and he says does what mean does well, what, what mean like what happened and she's like oh um side died in a car accident yeah, just so nonchalant. Nonchalant. Oh, yeah. Say a woman died in a car crash. Right. But can I go out? <laughs> yeah, can I go out? And then the, the dad is like, hey, dad, I need you to fix the aerial. It's still a little fuzzy. Yeah, and Larry said, what? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, there's like... What's going on here? Heavy news and then like really light stuff being thrown at him. And so he goes to the back to approach... Yeah, the camera is like from Larry's perspective, the camera just kind of glides... Into the down the hallway, yeah. approaching the door of Judith's like screaming cries. Yeah, and then it just ends there with another loud booming noise. Yeah, that's a bit of a. You mentioned it earlier, uh, earlier like a bit of like a horror shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they uh, definitely use that playbook to build tension and uh, to feel terror. Yeah. Um, so, is yeah, this the second rabbi? The second rabbi. The second rabbi. The rabbi Nochtner. Yeah. Uh, 
So <laughs> you think he's just going to be going to the rabbi about the same problems he had. He was speaking to the junior rabbi, but since he saw the junior rabbi, mm-hmm. even more shit has happened, yeah. right? So <laughs> we don't see his conversation conversation with Judith before. Mm-hmm. So I like that this is how it's revealed. Yeah. He's now complaining to the rabbi. And I don't see why I have to pay for Sai's funeral. <laughs> right. You know, I'm already under a lot of financial <laughs> stress with the divorce and I'm paying for the Jolly Roger. And now mm-hmm. there's this Columbia Record Club thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't really afford to pay for Sai's funeral. Why does it even have to be me? Yeah. And like, should I be complaining? Like, what is what is God trying to tell me? What does it all mean? Yeah. And now we get the story of the Goy's teeth. Yes. Which is, I mean, just such a great sequence. Yeah, it's, it's a like, great it's sequence. It's like a little short film in the middle of uh, this one. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's all voiceover from Rabbi Nochner telling the story of uh, Dr. Sussman, the dentist, mm-hmm. and the Goy's teeth. Mm-hmm. It's all, uh, Nochner narrates it, and it's all uh, soundtracked by a, a different Jefferson Airplane song, not the same one that had been playing. All right. Do you want to tell the story? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll have to tell it briefly. Okay. Uh, check it up on YouTube. I think the whole scene is on YouTube. It's just really cool filmmaking and just really exciting, and mm-hmm. I really like it. Um, Dr. Sussman's a dentist. He's making a mold of this goy. Goys are just people that aren't Jewish. Right. I had to look that up. I was <laughs> just like, what? What is he like? What does this word mean? Yeah, he's making a, a plaster mold of the, of the goy's teeth, and he's looking at the plaster later, and he sees something is carved on the on the teeth and he gets the magnifying glass he sees that it's uh hebrew letters it spells yeah. out hoshiani which means help me save mm-hmm. me pretty creepy stuff yeah um he ends up uh you know trying to figure out what that means he yeah he stresses he out he sees over another it. appointment with uh with the patient with the goy yeah. tries to Look for other messages. Uh, can't find anything. He yeah. looks at all his other molds. Yeah. He even looks at his own teeth. His wife's we teeth. See, we see him with the little mirror uh-huh. dentist thing sticking in his wife's mouth as she's sleeping, which is just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't He can't find anything else. So he goes see. He's, who does he see? He sees the Rabbi Nochner. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we cut back to the rabbi. It's like now filmed at like a completely slanted angle in the mm-hmm. middle of this story. And it's just a lot of fast cuts and good pacing in this story. Mm. Um, and uh, Sussman was sitting right where you're sitting now, Larry. And it cuts between Sussman and Larry in the same seat. And he's asking the same questions as Larry. Like, what does it mean? Does it mean I should help people? Should I, as, as, as a man, do more to help people? And Is it a sign from God? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and yeah, and he asks, what does it mean? And then the story ends there. And he, he, he ends it like such a big shot. And he, and he takes a sip of his tea. He's just very like, yeah. pleased with himself for telling yeah. that story. And Larry's like, well, <laughs> what, what, what happened? What happened? He was like, is it relevant? <laughs> like, it was like, yeah, it's why are you telling me this story? Yeah. So he continues. He says... Uh, there's a thing, uh, Sussman took all the, he's, well, he's, he's, he's a wise man and he's no Rabbi Marshak, but he's familiar with the, uh, 
the Zohar and the Kabbalah, mm -hmm. and he knows that each Hebrew letter has a numerical equivalent, so he tries to like decode it. He gets a yeah. seven-digit number, figures it's a phone number he calls. It's a Red Owl in Bloomington, mm -hmm. which is a, a chain of grocery stores. Yeah. He drives all the way out there from Minnesota to Indiana, and uh -huh. it's just a regular grocer. Yeah. Um, I actually thought this this part of the story was going to like tie back into the beginning mm -hmm. somehow. Right. There's there's a lot of promise there. Yeah, it's a lot but the, of the story keeps stopping and starting, and Larry's really fed up. Yeah, he's like, "Well, what did you tell him though?" He says, "Oh, I said, uh, is it a message from God? I don't know. Is it uh, doesn't is it a secret thing? Who who can say? Helping people couldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Larry's not satisfied with that. Yeah. Um, and he says, what about the goy? Yeah. He says, the goy? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this doesn't help Larry at all with yeah. his uh, thing. Uh, the other thing Nochner says is, you know, maybe these questions you're having, what does it all mean in your life? You know, maybe it's like a toothache. Uh, you feel it now, but give it some time, you won't feel it as much. Yeah. He says, over time, Sussman... Forgot about it. He just went back to living his life. Yeah. But Larry doesn't want to just move move on. He wants the answers. Yeah, he says, what is what is Hashem? Hashem is uh, God. What is he, he trying to tell us? What's the what's the answer? And uh, Nachner says, Hashem doesn't owe us an answer. Doesn't mm -hmm. owe us anything. The obligation runs the other way around. Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God doesn't owe shit. We, we should owe God everything. Um... Cut from this scene, after we met Rabbi Nachner, now we get to see him in his element. Mm -hmm. He's at the synagogue at Sai's funeral. Yes. Giving Sai's eulogy. He's saying, Sai Abelman was a serious man. Yeah. Ah, ding, 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 ah, ding. Yeah, ding, ding. Point, point at the TV. He's a, I also really appreciate the jokes he's making during the eulogy. It's very... Uh, just a clergy in front of their con congregation making dumb, easy jokes that, of course, everyone laughs. He's like... Uh, mm -hmm. He's talking about Olam Haba'ah, which is like the Jewish idea of the afterlife. Mm -hmm. He says, well, what is it? It's not a geographical place like Canada. And then everyone <laughs> starts laughing, even though it's not that funny. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, size funeral. So it turns out, yep, Larry did end up paying yeah. for the whole thing. He did it. Um and Judith is there just sobbing. Yeah. And he's sitting behind her. So he's yeah. just watching her. She's got the the widow. Yes. The, the widow uh, black. Uh, the veil. Veil. <laughs> While she's still married to Larry. Yeah. Mourning the loss of her lover. Yep. <laughs> um. Now uh, they're sitting Shiva, which is... Uh, in the Jewish faith when someone dies it's for like a week afterward the bereaved the bereaved have to just stay home and uh, people come and visit their house and just sit with them it's like the way that we're supposed to just confront our grief head on mm -hmm. instead of uh, trying to go back about our lives like nothing happened you need to take the whole week off and just sit there and pray and be visited by your loved ones and they're supposed to feed you instead of you even worrying about feeding yourself mm -hmm. so they're doing that but they're interrupted by the FBI yeah you know, how, could, how could this all get worse? How about uh, even more legal troubles? Yeah. 
FBI's looking for Arthur Gopnik. Yeah. I'm not Arthur Gopnik. Is that, is that Arthur Gopnik? And he kind of just peeks over <laughs> and then he goes you know, back. It's just Richard God. Yeah. One eye. That's all you get is one eye. Like now. <laughs> uh, turns out he's been playing an illegal card game. Yeah. And uh, they're putting an end to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry's yelling at Arthur and Danny, who's in the room, because it turns out Danny was in on it. Yeah. Danny says, but but the Mentaculous, it works. So apparently this uh, crazy nonsense book that uh, the Arthur was working on that he says is a probability map of the universe. Apparently it was helping them win yeah. the card game. Mm-hmm. But uh, because he was winning, he thinks he's been blackballed. Yeah. Can't play anymore. Uh, apparently yeah. Arthur was giving the winnings to Danny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the daughter comes in and she's all mad that Danny's getting the money. Yeah. And Larry says, I know about the Columbia Record Club. And <laughs> Sarah says, you think he's buying records from Mike Fagel? <laughs> yeah. So um, that gives us a clue as to what he's using the yeah, money so for. We got, so we got a lot of money for, for more drugs, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but now we're back with the lawyer. Yeah. I love how just every scene and more stuff keeps coming, but still, like, each scene is seemingly dedicated to one of the things that's happening, mm-hmm. but all the other things seem to find their way into every scene anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So even though he's back with the lawyer talking about, I guess, the divorce, mm-hmm. um, they still bring up the the property line. Still yeah. got Saul looking at that. Yeah. Uh, bring up the the. Now they're talking about Arthur's uh, legal legal troubles. troubles. Yeah. So yeah, now he's got to see Ron Meshbesher, who uh, he's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, he's not cheap. Is he expensive? He's not cheap. And we find out that Judith got a very aggressive lawyer. Yes. And she's been pulling money out of their joint bank account. Yeah. The lawyer's telling Larry that he needs to get a new account in his own name. Yeah. Larry says, is that moral? It seems it seems a little uh, immoral. And uh, the lawyer's he, like, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, in this case, the right thing to do is something that's uh, seemingly immoral. Yeah. And then he says, and also, I think Judith is stealing money out of my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we know that it's the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Larry cries. Oh, he completely breaks down. Yeah, he breaks down. He has his his breaking point here. Yeah, and they move from, uh, the chair in front of his desk to now the couch in the back of the office. Because, (laughs) I mean, this lawyer is getting a lot of bang for his buck because Larry's spending a lot of time. Now he's, like, sitting on the couch like it's a therapy session. Yes. Uh, Milking the clock. The lawyer says, well, did you talk to the rabbi? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Nochner. What did he tell you about the goy's teeth? Yeah. You really should try to see Marshak. He's a very wise man. Yeah. And so the, the goy teeth story has uh, gone around. It's a story that he likes to tell. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and like thinking back to it, yeah, Nachner is taking such joy in telling that yes. story. Like even the section is like, could Sussman sleep? Sussman couldn't sleep. Could Sussman eat? Sussman couldn't eat. <laughs> it's like he has all the story points down to a uh, fine-tuned point uh now um the uncertainty principle yeah yeah we cut to larry back in the classroom though it's a bigger classroom than i remember seeing last time Mm -hmm. and he's working on formula 
proving the uncertainty principle, which yeah. proves we can't ever really know what's going on. And yeah. then it cuts to a faraway view from the back of the classroom. We see that it's a giant blackboard that yeah. takes up the whole wall and um, just scribbles all over. It looks like the mentaculus. Yeah. Just on, I mean, there's, you we see some, some Hebrew letters in there with the equations and where everything. Where does it start and where does it end? Like, how do you follow this? Yeah. And he <laughs> says, and even though you can't figure anything out, you will be responsible for it on the midterm. Yeah. Which is great because, you know, as humans, we don't know what the fuck is going on, but we're still, still all of our actions have consequences. Yeah. And as do our inactions. Um, and then Cy Abelman's in the, in the crowd as all the students leave. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little weird. I thought he that, died. Is in he's in his his uh, death day suit. Yeah, right. That blue that blue outfit. Perhaps mm-hmm. even he could be a Dybbuk. Who mm-hmm. knows? Um. Yeah, he's like challenging Larry and yeah. saying, "You should go see Marshak." Yeah, you need to go see Marshak. I'm I'm a serious man, Larry. Yeah. And yeah. then he he walks all the way up to Larry, and this is the the slamming sound that was throughout the trailer. It's now Cy just takes a full hold of Larry, and he's not even hugging him this time. He's throwing him against the blackboard, yeah. and he's saying, "I'm a serious man. I fucked your wife. I seriously fucked your wife, Larry." Yeah. <laughs> um. Cut to Larry waking up in a panic because it was a nightmare. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and now we get to meet Mrs. Uh, Samsky. Yeah, now we get the Samsky scene. Yeah, Larry's, Samsky. Larry's at the door. He's going to knock, but he doesn't. He's about to turn away. Uh-huh. But Samsky opens the door because she heard something. Yeah. And what's he doing there? He's uh, he's trying to be neighborly. You know, he's trying to take Knockner's advice. Couldn't hurt to help. Right. So he's offering, says, I notice your husband isn't around a lot. Of course lot. he starts with her. <laughs> yeah. And she just says, uh, very blankly, he travels a lot. He travels a lot. <laughs> her line of, delivery yeah, is Amy so, Landecker's very, very good So at good. She's like a, a real Lana Del Rey type, or at least the type of woman Lana Del Rey pretends to be in her persona. Right. 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 Just a very tan mascara. uh with the orange top and the yellow shorts. Mm-hmm. I love how what she invites Larry inside. Her whole house is just so bright and orange, mm-hmm. which the whole movie had been like dark and dull and bluish. Yeah. But um, yeah, stepping into Sansky's house is like another world. It's another world. She's a, she's, she's a whole other character. She's so different from Larry. Mm-hmm. Larry, who's like so like jumbled. And Hetty, yeah. and her, who is just like calm, cool, collected, and like straightforward in her delivery. Like she's very precise. Like yes. she doesn't say a lot, but she says it all. Mm-hmm. She offers him iced tea. She says, "Iced tea? I have some." Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says. Uh, he sits sh- down. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then uh, he sits down he's on the couch. goes to talk about like if you need errands or something, mm-hmm. and then like. I wasn't going to stay long. And she's like, you should take a seat on the couch. And yeah. then so he's like, okay. And so he takes a seat. She goes to get the, the tea. Yeah. She goes to get the tea one way and then enters another way, which she, is yeah, startling. She enters the room through like a door. You weren't expecting her to come out. Yeah. There wasn't even a door. It's a doorway with the beads. With the beads. So, so you just hear the beads <laughs> of in, like her coming in. He's like, huh? <laughs> um, and she says, well, he's talking about how. Oh, she says, you know, I don't see you around much either. And he says, well, I'm actually staying at the Jolly Roger. Yeah. Uh, Judith and I are going through some troubles. Yeah. She says, You're in the doghouse. 
<laughs> right. You're in the doghouse now. <laughs> do you do you take advantage of your new freedoms? It's, uh, uh, it's clear she's like kind of coming on to him. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know how to approach the situation. He so he's like, so how how do you mean? Yeah. And so she goes into her little box. And she pulls out a joint. Yeah. And she says, "It's something I do for recreation." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, recreations. Um, and she, she passes the joint to him. Yeah. And then she says, you'll find you need the iced tea. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to dry. It's going to give you dry mouth. So. Oh, and I love this cut. It the just cut, cuts yeah. to, and now, like, the camera was filming everyone straight, straight on, straight ahead. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the camera's, like, completely, like, it's one of those shots where it's like looking up at Larry, but yeah. it's kind of slanted. Yeah. He's slumped in the couch. Yeah. The the edges of the lens are all blurry. blurry it's yeah. like the tunnel vision you get when you yeah. smoke weed. Yeah. Um, it's high cam. Yeah. Uh, he's got the, the glass. Yeah, the cup. And he's like looking at the light through the glass. The glasses are so empty. He drank the whole, the whole cup. Yeah, as he's before when he's like about to take the joint, they're mm-hmm. they're listening to a to a record mm-hmm. and like the the rock music like amps up as he's about to take the joint, and yeah. then when it cuts, it the first thing it cuts to is the record. It's like over, yeah, so it's, it's just bumping. Yeah, and it kind of sounds like a heartbeat, like the white noise. Right. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, and adds to that atmosphere. Yeah. that's created. He's just staring at the glass and saying, you know, maybe Rabbi Scott was right. Right. And Samson's like, who's Rabbi Scott? Says, the junior rabbi. And but it's like the shot of her face is like it's so still. She's so still. She's yeah, she's a uh, very stone. She takes that long pause and then she talks again. Yeah. Um yeah, he says, you know, maybe uh I do just need fresh eyes and a perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that is something that uh smoking uh recreationally can do. Yeah. <laughs> um and then he says, are those sirens? And she's like, no, uh, sometimes weed makes you paranoid. Oh, wait, those are sirens. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, those are sirens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he uh, stumbles outside. <laughs> His eyes all red. Yeah. And um, it is the cops, and they're bringing in Arthur. Handcuffed. They've got him cuffed. Yeah. They're walking up next door to uh, the Gopnik's house. And, uh, what, Danny comes out to see what the ruckus is. Yeah. And Larry's like, no, there's been a mistake. It's just, it's just a card game. It's just yeah. a, a math thing he yeah, does. Yeah, it's math. You can't arre- uh, arrest a man for math. And, uh, of course, Arthur the whole time is shouting, I haven't done anything. Yeah. Because that's one of the catchphrases. Um, turns out they picked him up at the North Dakota. Yeah. And, uh, he was soliciting. And uh, he's been arrested for sodomy. Yes. And the scene ends with uh, Danny looking up at his dad saying, Dad, what's sodomy? What's sodomy? I love how so many scenes in this movie end with a character asking a question that, like, you don't want to answer or that there isn't an answer. Like, how do you answer, Dad, what's sodomy? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Now uh, we get another lawyer scene. This time... They're in a conference room. Uh, 
it's like in a law office. So there's a giant bookcase. I just love all the books around them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sitting at the end of the table, making small talk with his lawyer. Um, now, oh, you know what? I brought up Mesh Besher before, but he didn't actually come up because he wasn't part of the gambling troubles. Right. He was recommended by the lawyer to help Arthur out with okay. these uh, sodomy charges. Such an unfortunate character Arthur got. Like, for all the tragedy that is befalling Larry, mm-hmm. his brother, I mean, how um, so tragic to be a, to ha- be forced to be closeted in uh, 1967 Minnesota. Like, yeah. And the only way he, you know, he's this very super lonely guy with chronic illness. Yeah. Uh, the only way he can get company is to go to the North Dakota, but then he gets picked up by, arrested <laughs> and for And gets it. exposed and outed. Yeah, yeah, now he has to get his brother to pay for the super expensive lawyer for him. Yeah. Uh, then Saul, Saul, <laughs> Saul comes in. Because like, oh, uh, good news. Saul could. We could really use the good news. <laughs> yeah. And Saul is uh, this very old man. Yeah. I don't know this actor's name either, but he's also a Cohen regular. He was yeah, I've the, seen his face. He was the studio head in Barton Fink. And um, a bit, he makes a big... He takes some time to sit down. He has all yeah. these folders because, you know, he's been looking through the property stuff. Saul's mm-hmm. very good with this stuff. And yeah. uh, almost like... On accident, he discovered a discrepancy that might be able to get them out of this mess. Yeah. Uh, and that's why that's why you're full partner, eh, Saul? Yeah. Saul doesn't respond. Yeah, he's just like, yeah. I just like the uh, the, the, the status. The, yeah. the, he's, the, he's the high lawyer, and the, his, our lawyer, I guess, was the junior lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while Saul is, like, getting his files in order, mm-hmm. organizing his pencils on his desk before, you know, he has to light his pipe. Yeah. Uh, so Larry's lawyer's just making small talk. So uh, Danny's bar mitzvah is coming up soon, right? Next yeah. week? Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. And then, <laughs> ready to deliver the good news. Right? As he opens his mouth, <laughs> he, like, pauses and you're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then he stands up. And his face goes red, and then he just falls over. He collapses. Yes. We get our second sudden death of the movie. Yeah. And it was the guy that was, for the first time in the whole movie, about to deliver good news. Yeah. But what does he do? He drops dead right yep. in front of Larry. <laughs> no good news. And then it just cuts right to Larry walking back into his office, and his secretary says, uh, Dick Dutton's on the line. He says, call back, heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because now everything's just coming all at once. Yeah. Um, so Arlen's back again. Yeah, standing in the doorway, fidgeting with his jacket. Talking more about those letters. The letters are still coming. Yeah. Yes. Um, and although they don't mean anything, um, any outside work you could present to well, us. I think the outside work would mean something. Yeah, it, it would help. The letters don't um, mean anything, but... We're any meet- work you publish yeah, we're or meeting our um, essays you've written mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, um, you have till Monday to, to turn yeah, them right. in. And Larry's just like, um, I don't have anything. I have no published work. I haven't done anything. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> done anything. Um, and so Ireland's just like, okay, well... Doing nothing is a is a valuable choice as well. Um, <laughs> you cannot do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it cuts to 
once again, we hear the Jefferson Airplane song. Mm-hmm. We need somebody to love while uh, Samsky's at top, Larry Gopnik. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, they're having sex, but she's... He's having sex. She's got the joint, and it's like... <laughs> she's still, like, very stone-faced yes. and, like, kind of barely moving. <laughs> yeah, he's enjoying himself. Oh, he's having a great time, he's but she's kind of passionless. Yeah. Um, but then it's interrupted by her face turns into sigh, and then it's, uh... The coffin Yeah, closing. the coffin door closing on Larry, and then yeah. Sai's face looking above. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he wakes up in another panic. Yeah. So now it's a dream. And then... Oh, what does he say? He says once again, you really should see Marsha. Yeah. So then it cuts to... As the coffin door closes and makes the booming sound again. Yeah. Then we get the title, Marshak. Yeah. He's finally going to see the wise old sage, Rabbi. And he's speak, first speaking to his Marshak's secretary. Yeah. Explaining why he needs to speak to him. Yeah. He says, Danny's about to get Bar Mitzvah, but it doesn't have to do with that. Uh, he's really giving way too much detail. Yeah. He explains everything that's happening to him. His divorce, side died, he had to pay for the funeral. His brother has the cysts and the car trouble and the mm-hmm. legal trouble. He can't afford that. The Columbia Record Club, the tenure, the letters, the student. The, it's just a lot. A lot. He's, he, he's desperate and he's pleading mm-hmm. his case because Marshak doesn't see anyone. Right. But the bar mitzvah boys. He, Larry even says, I'm a serious... I've I've tried to be a serious yes. man. Like we he get it for a second time. Yeah, he can't even say with confidence that he's a yeah. serious man. Mm-hmm. And so she goes back there. She she wobbles back there. Yeah, I like. I really appreciate the production design. Just first of all, each rabbi's as you go up the ladder of rabbis, the offices get bigger. Right. And Marshak's office is super big. It's a hall, and there's all these like relics, re- relics yeah. and like antiques and different. Like, there's a, a sand timer, mm-hmm. just like a giant one. There's like a, a tooth, a, something, some weird tooth map, which like refers back to the Goy's teeth story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just all these artifacts. And he's just a super old man. He looks almost like uh, Grosh Cover from the beginning, the, the possible Dybbuk. Mm-hmm. That actor actually in the credits is credited as Dybbuk? Question mark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, she has, she she walks all the way down there. She whispers to him. Mm-hmm. He maybe says something back. Yeah, we only uh, see it from Larry's perspective yeah. all the way. Um, the and end. then so she walks back. It's a long walk. Mm-hmm. Um, she and shuts the door. Shuts the door. Sits down and says, "The rabbi is busy." He didn't look busy. He didn't look busy. Honestly, he's thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he can't see Marshak. Yeah, it's not <laughs> happening. Um, now he, we're uh, back at the Jolly Ranger. Yeah, now he wakes Roger. up in the middle of the night. Uh, Arthur is crying. Yeah. He's in tears. Mm-hmm. Arthur's life ain't going too well. Yeah. And, uh, he, yeah, he wakes up Larry with his crying and yelling. And then Larry tries to comfort him, but Arthur just runs out of the room crying and screaming. Yeah. Runs across the parking lot screaming. Yeah. So now they're both out side of the Jolly Roger and like their underwear yep. shirt. He uh they're sitting at the pool. Yeah. Which you know, we heard the Jolly Roger has a pool. Turns yeah. out, as we can see, the pool's empty. Yeah, it's not full. <laughs> which I like. They don't even like say it, but it's just there. Yeah. <laughs> like 
<laughs> the one good thing. Like even, yeah, even if you say, like, you can't even say the glass is half full. It's not even full. There's no, nothing in there's it. There's nothing in it. There's no, there's a pool, but that, it's empty. Right, that was the silver lining. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It has a pool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Arthur's going on this tirade. Look at look at all that he's given you. God right. hasn't given me shit. He hasn't given me bupkis. Yeah. Now I can't even play cards. <laughs> it's just, I, yeah, I love that line delivery. And it's kind of like, you know, you play the cards you're dealt, but uh, Arthur Gottman can't even play cards. The yeah. cards he's dealt is that he's gay, but he's not living in a time or in a society that accepts that. Yeah. So, yeah. He can't even play cards. Yeah, he can't even play cards. He can't do anything. Um, and Larry's just like, hey, <laughs> it's man, my a real life role ain't reversal. great. Yeah. It ain't great either. Now Larry's trying to console someone who says everything's wrong in their life. And he's now Larry's like, you know, sometimes you have to help yourself and yeah. to get a new perspective. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just trying all the things that uh, he's been other told. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though we've seen Larry doesn't actually buy into any of the stuff he's saying. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts to uh, daytime. Yeah, right? daytime. Uh, sure. The car driving down the road. Yeah, with a canoe on top of it, mm-hmm. and uh, we see a sign for Canada. There's a crossroad, and the sign says Canada. It's pointing one way. Yeah, which um, you know, Canada was referenced earlier by the rabbi in Saul's in Sai's eulogy as yeah. a you know they already compared Canada to the afterlife. Yeah. Um. So where do you so go? They, yeah, they they drive to Canada. Yeah. Uh, well, they stop at a at a lake. Yeah, it's this is so wild. They right? get the canoe out, and I, I guess the idea this. is okay. We're gonna get Arthur out of here. He's gonna just uh, escape the law by fleeing to Canada. Right, which seems wild just to yep. send your brother on a canoe out into the wild. Into well, he Canada. gave to help him get things sorted out. He gave him money. He gives him the envelope of money. Yeah. And Arthur says, this is a lot of money. Are you sure you don't need it? But Arthur decides that this is what is meant to be done with the money. Uh, it can really help his brother. And they yeah. they apologize to each other. They hug. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he pushes uh, Larry, Arthur, out Arthur, Arthur out into the into the sea. And um, he turns around. He says, thanks again. Thanks again. No, yeah, then we get the very comical... Uh. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye. Like after, after the very serious emotional conversation, I'm I'm sorry, Larry. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and then right as he finishes goodbye, <laughs> he gets shot. Just gunshot right through cyst. his neck. Yeah, right in the cyst. Right in the cyst. <laughs> right in the sebaceous cyst. Uh, and the the canoe tips over yeah. and the body falls out. And then we get a close up on Larry's face. And then the camera does that. Uh, Oh, I wish I knew names of different kinds of shots. It's like the very fast zoom in yeah. to Brent and his son with guns. Yeah. Brent says, look, son, another Jew. Right. And then another gunshot. And then he wakes up. Yeah. It was, and I was, it just was like, a nightmare. I was like, <laughs> that shit's oh, so okay. funny. Yeah. I was just like, oh, it was getting crazy for a second. Like, even before the gunshot, like just sending his brother off to, to Canada. I was just like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And then it turned out to be under the journal. I was like, okay. I love that. And that's the last we see of the Brants. Like, that's how, where their arc ends. Yeah. Is, um, of all the things that have been happening to Larry, the, the stuff with the neighbors is just, uh, this ominous thing. It's just the, the experience of, um, I guess being a Jew in America and not being fully, uh, what's the word? Uh, not acclimated, uh, 
starts with an A. Assimilated. Assimilated. And uh, the disdain that the the goys have for the Jews and the just the the tension that's under every interaction. I mean, I, it's kind of it's uh, kind of like microaggressions there. Uh, the property line and yeah. the um, yeah, it's uh. So then it yeah it comes to comes to force in Larry's dream where they're literally toting their guns, yeah, hunting after them. the Jews. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get our second. Yeah, but Larry Larry wakes up in the back in the Jolly Roger, mm-hmm. uh, and Arthur is there, right, uh, crying. Larry asks, "Were we at the pool last night?" Yeah, they were. They were. And then Larry says, "It's Shabbat, meaning Saturday." Yeah. The day of his son's bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to the bathroom at the synagogue. Pass me that fucker. <laughs> what a great idea for you, the day of your bar mitzvah. Let's get, let's get high. To get super high. He doesn't just get regular high. He gets <laughs> stoned out of his mind. Yeah, and this is what I was referencing to at the beginning as, I think, my favorite uh, weed scene in a movie. Yeah. The way it's filmed, it's just so perfect. Yeah. Like, it really accurately um sums up both what you feel when you're very high mm-hmm. uh like once again though even even more so the edges of the i guess i wonder if they use like vaseline or something mm-hmm. on the camera lenses to get that blurring effect mm-hmm. um but now also the camera's like rotating slowly yeah and um so it combines the feelings of uh that mm-hmm. are induced by marijuana with also um just the stress and the pressure and the just how weird it is to be a bar mitzvah boy. Yeah. Like you have to read Torah and to this whole congregation of people wanting to hear from you. And it's this foreign language and all these uh, traditions and yeah. rituals that you have to like, they're like 3000 years old that you're now participating in. Yeah, I just like- love the pairing of that with the, I don't know, by having Danny be, like, very stoned for this, it mm-hmm. lets them film it in the way that it's, like, very surreal. Yeah. And then that brings out, like, the the mysticism of the... The ceremony? The ceremony, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like performing in front of a, a crowd, if you're not used to it, mm-hmm. is, like, already enough to make you, like, yeah. nervous. But then, like, throwing, like, weed into the mix <laughs> is, like, yeah, like, this is, like, a perfect presentation yeah. of being high at, in front of a big crowd and just yeah. being, like, stuck. You, you Sometimes you just get stuck and you just can't do yeah. anything. And when he got up there to read the Torah... Oh, he just stands up and it's almost like... Is he supposed to be standing right there? Or did, yeah. did this guy, did this kid just get up? And then yeah. everyone's looking at him. Yeah. And he walks slowly up to the stage. <laughs> yeah. And there's like the the chanting in Hebrew because yeah. that's a thing. You have to say this thing when someone's about to read Torah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then he gets up there and it's like he stands up on the, on like the soapbox, but yeah. then. Like one of the guys pushes him down and tucks the soapbox yeah. in because he's he's tall enough. He's tall enough. Uh, he's just standing there forever. Yeah, looking down, on. looking down. Then looking, you see all the faces of 
the people in the audience yeah. from you see his dad and his mom and his sister and even his uncle, mm-hmm. even Miss Samsky. Mm-hmm. And then the funniest thing, you pan over, you see his friend who he's smoking with, who's yeah. also just as high as he yeah. is, slunk down in slumped. His seat. He's got the wide gla- He's got the glasses, so his eyes wide are like mouth. bug eyes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's drooling. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Yeah, it's just like the one guy who knows who's like also right there with you. Yeah, just like, oh man, I couldn't do it. Like, to be high and sitting down watching something, great. To be that high and have to perform, ugh. Right? And this movie is like, does like um, being high, like that perspective really well. And so he has his the point his pointer yeah the the yod the yod is called um is that the wrong spot right well yeah first when when the oh even the guy at the door he's we don't even see the way it enters the frame is you just hear it's like a sword being taken out of his sheath Mm -hmm. you hear the clinking and then it's like presented to danny and it's it's like he wasn't expecting it at all yeah it's like what is now i'm being handed this uh this thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah he doesn't even have it at the right space yeah and so yeah so the the one of the he's not a rabbi is he no it's no. uh just one of the older clergymen yeah. has to like move it down into the right spot but like the audio sound effect of that is so mm-hmm. great because it's like when you, you hide sometimes you hear stuff like that right it's really like <laughs> honed in it's like all you can focus on so uh, all we hear is like the scrolling down of like the 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 yacht on the paper yeah, down to the right spot. Just on the parchment. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah. And the way it's filmed is with like the deep focus, so you only really see one line mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. So like, even though he's only moving down a couple paragraphs, it seems like it's like miles yeah, it away. Yeah, like it's miles away. <laughs> and uh, then he can't even start. Yeah, and he's got. Um, Damn, I haven't been to synagogue in a long time. I forget what they're called. There's the people on the sides that like are there to help you if you forget. If you lose your place, you're doing so. The guy's trying to start Danny off. Yeah. He's like, I'm here, I don't know. And, but Danny doesn't say anything. Yeah. Silence. He starts again. Before he finishes, Danny eventually comes in. Yeah. And then you see he's holding the pointer, and but he's just like moving it side to side, back yeah. and forth. He doesn't really know he what he's reading. Read, yeah, he has yeah. no idea what he's saying. He's just saying it through sound, which is all he learned. So, um, yeah, another character who's just saying these things. He doesn't understand the meaning behind any of it. Yeah. But he gets through <laughs> He's it. He's just going through the motions. I was while the scene was happening, I was like, oh no, what what do they do if he can't perform? Do they like postpone? Right. <laughs> do they like stop it? Does everyone find out he's high? <laughs> like, um as after he starts uh finally reading or reciting, uh Larry's wife turns to him. They're they're smiling, they have their moment, look at our son, and the wife apologizes to him for yeah. everything. And he, she says, you know, Cy had such great respect for you. He even was writing letters to the tenure committee. <laughs> right. So Cy <laughs> was writing the letters yeah. to the tenure committee. And he comes back, oh yeah, it was very eloquently written. <laughs> yeah, so like, so what was Cy saying? Cy was denigrating him. He was saying, uh, Larry, don't don't grant Larry, t- Larry got McTenure. He's a Got moral turpitude. <laughs> right. Which is so weird because Sai was presented as this really nice guy mm-hmm. that was being very nice to Larry, but apparently he wasn't. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's called Hogba, the guy that has to lift the Torah at the end when he's mm-hmm. lifting it. It's like I don't I don't know if it's because he turns and he sees Danny who's like slumped down and he sees that Danny's high, or if it's because the Torah is so heavy, mm-hmm. but he lets out, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just very funny in a synagogue setting. <laughs> um what? Uh now it's time for Danny to go see the Rabbi Marshak. And he's uh He's equipped with a wine glass, a mm-hmm. wine cup that he's been gifted to by the sisterhood, which, you know, is a thing that happens when you're bar mitzvah, you get all these gifts, mm-hmm. um, like candlesticks and a, maybe a, a prayer book and a wine glass, because now you're part of the synagogue, part mm-hmm. of the Jewish community. Now you're a man. So he's equipped with this, like, wine glass that's, like, clinking metal as he's walking down the hall very slowly into yeah. Marshak's office, yeah. looking at all the artifacts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, Larry couldn't see Marshak, but his son is able to. Yeah. So, we've had all this build-up to what is Marshak going to say, this super wise man. We've had multiple characters talk about how, oh, he's he's so wise and learned. Yeah. He'll really help you out. So, what do we get? <laughs> Danny sits down. There's some silence. Marshak clears his throat. Yeah. All he says is, when the truth is found to be lies, and the hope within you dies, what happens? And this is just the, the lyrics to the Jefferson Airplane song that had been playing yeah. throughout the movie. And then he starts reciting the names of the members of the band Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. You can't even, he can't remember all of them though. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Yep. That's all it was. Yeah. And, and he pulls out the radio from his desk and hands it back to Danny and says, be a good boy. That's it. Danny, who just had his bar mitzvah, who just within the Jewish faith became a man, is mm-hmm. now being told by the rabbi to be a good, good boy. boy. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's just the the lyrics to the song we heard in the opening credits. <laughs> um so now uh we're back in Dan- in Larry's office. Yeah. Arlen's back in the door frame congratulating Larry on his son's bar mitzvah says it was wonderful. Yeah. Really need to cherish these times with the youngest and Dan yeah. says I I do. I will. <laughs> yep. Because I don't know that he really has been mm-hmm. uh, taking account of the little things yeah. and being grateful for what he does have. Yeah. Um, Arlen has that the same vibe from his past two visits, mm-hmm. like the same energy of like um, presenting something that uh, might not be good mm-hmm. in a good way. Right. Uh, pretty much telling him, like ending the conversation with, um, you know, I can't really say this, but you'll be happy. Yeah, kind of hinting that he's been granted tenure. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. But, you know, with everything that's happened to Larry thus far, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, But there's more. There's more. Yeah, we cut back to Danny. He's back in Hebrew school. Back on his bullshit with the earbuds. Yeah. Once again, trying to give Fagel the money because the $20 was still in the transistor radio. I suppose he's trying to give him the money in public uh, so he doesn't get beat up. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, this happens in a lot of Coen Brothers stuff where the, well, I guess not counting the prologue, the opening scene 
and the last scene mirror each other. Mm-hmm. So we're cutting back and forth between Danny at school and Larry at work. Mm-hmm. And at work, Larry's uh, going through his letters and he's opening an invoice from Ron Meshbesher, the criminal lawyer they had to hire for Arthur. And it's $3,000. Right. So Larry looks back at the envelope of cash that he yeah. got. Um, Looking pretty good right now. Right. After having pay f- to pay for the bar mitzvah, for the record club, for the Jolly Roger, for Sai's funeral, yeah. for the car accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he has a change of heart and uh, he changes a Clive's grade. Yeah, he opens the grade book, erases the F, writes a C instead. And then adds a minus. And then goes back to add the minus yeah. just to like... Let me at least have that. But yeah. right immediately when he writes the minus, the phone starts ringing. Yeah. Um, it's his doctor. It's Dr. His doctor Shapiro. Saying, Larry, I need to talk up to you about your x-ray results. Can you come into the office? Yeah. And Larry says, what? Can we talk over the phone? It's best if we do this in person. Yeah. And I says, um, okay, when would you like me to come in? Now. Now would be good. Yeah. I've cleared some time right now. <laughs> it's just like, shit. Yep. And That's the last thing you want to hear. Is and like, yeah, we cut back to the classroom, and uh, the secretary came in to interrupt the class to whisper something to the teacher. Mm-hmm. And now you know the shit is serious when the teacher, who has only been speaking in Hebrew, all of a sudden, the first time in the whole movie you hear him speak English, says, yeah. class, there's been a tornado warning. We need to get, we're going to take everyone down to the basement of the Mm -hmm. synagogue. (laughs) And you can hear like the the storm coming throughout now. So all the mounting tension throughout the whole movie is really coming to a rise right now. Yeah. As after uh, Larry finally accepts the bribe and changes the grade. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he's got the call about the x-ray results. And then there's the tornado coming. Yeah. And the last the last shot. Right? We, we get to see... Uh, it's out in the parking lot. Yeah. Of course. It takes place in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teacher's struggling to open the door to the basement. Yeah. Can't get it open. All the kids are outside. All the kids are outside. That fucking flag looks like it's going to rip off the fucking pole. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah... Along with like the fumbling of like the keys and mm-hmm. like so the last shot you see the hurricane in, in the distance it's like approaching yeah. it's in eyes well, view th- yeah Danny's got the money in hand Fagel's like a couple paces ahead of him with his back turned to Danny Danny's trying to get his attention yet again Fagel I got the money mm-hmm. but Fagel's just staring at something yeah. so Danny looks and it's a tornado yeah fast approaching yeah um. And Danny's just got the one earbud in, listening to Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. As we hear the tornado, the, the sound of that song gets louder. Mm-hmm. And um, the final shot is, once again, an ear. It's uh, Danny's ear with the earbud in it as you see the tornado approaching. Yeah. Cut to black. Yeah. You need somebody to love. It was... Uh... Yeah, I mean that's that's a serious man. I wasn't ready for the movie to be over at that right. point. It kind of got snatched from under me. Mm-hmm. I was kind of just like, "Wait, what? That's it?" Yeah. 
What happens? What happens? I want to know. I want more. It's, <laughs> I want to see it's more. It's the cat in the box. You it's know? the cat in the box. Yeah. Like Larry could be getting a terminal diagnosis, or uh, he could not, or he could not. The kid could the her, the tornado could be coming right for the synagogue, right? Killing could, his son. Yeah, sweeping all the kids away. When um, oh, one of the things Danny notices in Marshak's office as he's walking is like this uh, Renaissance painting of the scene of Abraham about to slit his son's throat at mm-hmm. the behest of God before God intervenes and tells him not to. Cause, mm-hmm. cause that's a thing that happened in the Bible. Yeah. God's like, I'm going to test you, kill your son. And then said, wait, psych. I was playing. Uh, so, I love your devotion. So yeah, maybe though. we're about to see a son die. Um, I love that it ends on the ear because they keep going back to, uh, this idea of you need to be able to, or you're having a hard time hearing God, mm-hmm. hearing what God has to say to you or, seeing him in the world. He mm-hmm. could be right here in this parking lot. And then, of course, we end in a parking lot. Right. And what is God trying to say with the tornado, with the test results? Or is or is there no God and it's all just stuff that's happening? I don't know. I don't right. know. This movie is like a big question, right? It's, it's like a movie about questions. Presenting mystery certainly. after mystery after mystery after mystery. It's all about the uncertainty. Because we can never really know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about, the, like, the beginning with, with the woman and just, like, how she she actually acted mm-hmm. upon something. And she was the only character in the movie that did that. Right. That, you know, didn't question her faith of, like, could he be or could he mm-hmm. not be? And actually just went through it. And then we were presented with this character, Larry, who is like the opposite of her and like how that plays like her story is so short because she acted on it. Mm-hmm. His stretches out because he doesn't do anything. Yeah. 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 Um, kind of funny to ask this question after talking about all the questions Right. In a movie, but is a serious man a movie or a film? Or is I, it both a movie and a film, and it, you can never really know mm, which one? <laughs> is it a movie, film? Also, no. is it relevant? Who cares? It, who cares? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a great one. Is it relevant? Um, it's a film. I agree. It's it, a film. It's definitely a film. It's definitely a film. It's definitely a it's, film. Um, yeah, it's dealing with these very philosophical themes and questions. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the story of Larry Gopnik, but also it's the story of, yeah. Uh, what do we make of all the things that happen in our life? Is there right. a greater purpose? Who knows? Right. We can't know. And they, they have such, the, the Coen brothers have such an eye for composition and just like, just like using the, the camera in more than one way, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? More than just like, presenting the picture to us the camera becomes something else right yeah. it becomes the camera becomes high we become high you know what i mean that's that's a really yeah. cool film thing to do mm. yeah it's um not your typical stoner feature no but i think it it checks all the boxes i mean it's you know, it gets you thinking. It's definitely thought provoking. Yeah. And it, it gets you thinking about bigger ideas, which, you know, it's kind of like typical. You get high and you're like, what's the meaning of the universe? <laughs> right. What does this all mean, man? Yeah. Um, also, it's 
people have pointed to the fact that it's kind of a, a retelling of the biblical story of Job, who was a character, I think it's like a God, what is it? God keeps punishing this uh, faithful man to mm-hmm. see uh, if he'll still believe in God, even when all this tragedy befalls him. I think that ends with a tornado also. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I really, it's a film. I love all the care put into it. It's, I, I think, probably the most personal uh, movie the Coen brothers have made just with the it taking place in what, Minnesota. Yeah, in the place and the culture that they grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they were fans of F Troop, and that's the only reason why that why, keeps coming yeah. up. Um, yeah, and I know their parents were academics, like Larry Gopnik. Yeah. Um, and it builds on a lot of the themes and stuff that they've been exploring in throughout their work, but I think in a way that, um, yeah, I don't know, really comes together. Yeah. It's a film. It's a film. Props to Roger Deakins, to Carter Burwell, to Joel and Ethan Cohen, uh, to, to Michael Stuhlbarg leading his first movie. There's, there's not a, many big names, not any big names in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really good casting, though. Everyone performs it so well. Yeah. Oh, the, and the, just the, the acting is like. Yeah, Michael Stuhlbarg's just mounting dread and panic and roller coaster of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, just very complex. He has so many different uh, steps to confusion and yeah. stress and anxiety that right. he, every time it notches up, you can see it in his performance. Mm hmm. And he's good. He's good because he doesn't get overshadowed or, like, no. lost and, like, everyone else being, like, such a character mm-hmm. and, like, so precise. And then him being, like, this kind of, like, fl- uh, flumsy. Flumsy is not a word. Flimsy mm-hmm. character. Yeah. And everyone else being, like, so, like, straight, straight on. Mm-hmm. But, like, he is, like... He's our character, right? Like, yeah, he's he's the people's character. So, like, I I connect with him in that way, yeah. and everyone else is just like really fun and entertaining to watch. Yeah. So just circling back to the the quote at the beginning: "Take with simplicity everything that you receive." Yeah. I mean, that's just that's what Larry needed to hear, really. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, take with some. Receive with simplicity everything that happens to you. Yeah, no and one I, told him that. I like this this uh, this movie for this time as we are all, uh, you know, going through all this uncertainty about the future and the world and coming very close to a lot of tragedies. Mm-hmm. Um, take it sleazy. Take it sleazy. Yeah. I like that. Life's a bitch and then you die and that's why we get high. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we will be back next week. Make sure you, uh, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, at MovieFilmPod, and Instagram, MovieFilmPod at gmail.com. Let us know, uh, what you think it all means, what your favorite, uh, Coen Brothers is, uh, what your favorite weed movie is. Yeah. Give, Give us your favorite, uh... 
like left field weed movie pick. Our our next two are like yeah, are, yeah. more standard yeah uh, stoner movies. Yeah. Tell us your left field. I mean, we talked about Inherent Vice earlier. Mentioned Lebowski. Let let us know what you like. Yeah. Uh, mine is a serious man. All right, and we'll be back next week with another episode of movie movie film film. Oh man, yeah, I haven't done anything. <laughs> no.